0: It's James Arnold Taylor, voice of Obi Wan Kenobi, Fred Flintstone, Johnny Test, and a bunch of others, and you're listening to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out.
1: By the time you hear this episode, you may have very well witnessed the final fate of the Clone Wars cartoon series. But fear not, we're not going to spoil it, but it's Riley and Bethany from Star Wars Report, my good friend Blaine. We're geeking out about Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all kinds of things. Oh, this is your safe place to geek out, the Geek Out Loud podcast! Welcome to Geek Out Loud. This is your safe place to geek out. No Derek this time, which is obviously going to make him jealous. And you guys uh, are going to, and I'm talking not to the audience, I'm talking to the people who are going to be on the show with me. Uh, you're about to make a, a pure enemy out of out of him. Um, oh, no. So, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he's going to come at you, bro. So get ready for not that. Now you tell us. Yeah, well, you know, it's part of the, it is the peril of doing Geek Out Loud without Derek. So
2: What if we tell him we love him? that help?
1: Well, you might want to do that right now.
2: We love you, Derek.
1: Okay. I doubt he listens. He usually doesn't listen if he's not on here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, I'm Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you and glad to have with us on this episode uh, friends of the show. uh, They've had me on their show multiple times. Um, It's Riley Blanton, Bethany Blanton. What's up? Uh...
3: (laughs) I heard my name, so I was I was thinking that's the time where you just say hello.
2: Sup
1: of the Star Wars book report. <laughs> what? Riley, Bethany, welcome. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. <laughs> I,
3: I, I should be channeling Wayne Chamberlain right now. I, mean, I don't get that reference. You call
4: us the book report.
3: <laughs> oh, did uh, I say the Star yes, Wars report? Did. I'm
1: sorry. You did. We can edit that in post. Sure, uh, you will. We can <clears> edit that in post. Of the Star Wars report. Yeah, StarWarsReport.com. Mm-hmm. Riley, Bethany, welcome.
3: What's up? Is that is now the time? Yes, okay. definitely. What's up, people? Good People. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, all the peeps. And watching, we have a live studio audience today. We do. My good friends, Blaine and Pinky. Uh, people will know them from, um, what do they know you guys from? Nothing. Me and Darren <laughs> talk about you guys sometimes. You sure I am Pinky's best friend, and you've heard us talk about Blaine and Pinky before on Geek out loud, they exist. Mm-hmm. They're real people. What's funny is this never happens when Crevice is around, and Derek thinks that Crevice is not real, and <laughs> so I'm trying to convince him that Crevice is real. Uh Riley and Bethany are down. They're visiting. We're having a good time. I think mm-hmm. we've had a good time today. Yes, are. Some things that happened um that have never happened for Riley and Bethany before. One being, they watched some movies that they'd never seen, and I was oh, shocked yes. today when the list got pulled out yes. at Dairy Queen. We'll get there though. I don't. Okay. Want, I don't want to. I'm just going to say one of the things that Riley and Bethany had never done was watch an Indiana Jones movie, so there, there that is. Let that absorb that. Yes, everyone needs to absorb that. I don't really have any idea what direction this show is about to take. I know that this is, uh, I believe, episode 69, if uh, geekpodcast.com is to be believed. Um, I hope everyone has checked out the most recent Mark out loud. Used to be called "Geek Out Loud" in the Squared Circle, but my Dave and myself we talk about Dave Jones and myself talk about uh, the most underrated feuds in wrestling history, in our opinion. Um, really quickly though, before we go any further, guys, how about take a jump with me uh, into some email? All right, this comes from uh, a man who reached out to us. He's a mailman. And uh, and he he reached out to me a few weeks ago via the email. Um, let me see if I can find his original email here. I cannot. So we'll just read this one. Uh, this is Dewey the Mailman. He says, uh, and that is now going to officially stick. Because <laughs> when it's said on the podcast, it's once and for all. Dewey the Mailman. Hey, Big Honkin'. I'm not... Dewey, I don't really go by Big Honkin' anymore. Just Steve. Just plain old Steve. Way to start. Way to start. Way to Understand. yeah. Getting off on the right foot there. Had a couple of Star Wars questions for you.
3: Got a couple of Star Wars questions for you. You should get. You should get some kind of like Star Wars podcasters on the show.
1: Well, that's yeah. hey. So glad to have you guys with us. <laughs> hey, got a got a couple of Star Wars questions for you. First, if a lightsaber was a hot dog, would you eat it? Then, heck, I would. I'd spread mustard and ketchup on it. And I'd gobble it right up. Uh, okay, here we go. This is actually... Uh, that some was inter- not the email, by the way. Just <laughs> These are some actually some interesting questions from Dewey, uh, the mailman. He says, Do you think Leia would forgive Vader the way Luke did, especially after he had her tortured and then killed and blew up her world where she grew up? Hmm. Is, is Leia, does Leia, will Leia, can Leia forgive Vader as easily as Luke forgave Vader for his... Dark, dark ways. Riley,
3: well, 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 going out cold. I think uh, I've never. That's something I hadn't considered. That's a really good question. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example where Princess Leia would have been in a position to forgive someone else, and that might have been. The first one that springs to mind is Job of the Hut, and we all know how that turned out. <laughs> um,
2: well, I would say, though, she did give Han Solo a chance. I mean, even though she called him a scoundrel and everything, she scruffy really...
3: Yes, scruffy-looking nerf-herder. Nerf herder. Yeah, and exactly. The, the, the insults don't get much worse than that, as we all mm. know, in the Star
2: Wars mm. galaxy.
1: Who's scruffy-looking?
2: <laughs> but I do think that she could have forgiven Vader. I believe it would have been harder because, unlike Luke, she didn't actually have the chance to see and feel for herself the true redemption that Anakin went through. So all she really had was the image of Darth Vader, the evil, not the man who died saving my life like Luke had.
1: Yeah. Vader didn't. um, He did. I was going to say he didn't save Leia's life ever. Right. So excuse me. um, I was just getting a text. Mama honking. uh, Texting in at 1035 at night. Making sure that y'all are gonna have Sunday dinner with us tomorrow after church. (laughs) Uh, Can we go ahead and confirm that? Yes, that is confirmed. Uh, So there we go. Uh, That's yeah. That's what I'm thinking is Mm -hmm. is I think that had Leia had the opportunity to be saved by Vader the way that Luke did, sure Mm -hmm. maybe. Otherwise, I don't know. This raises a question for me too, guys. I've never really actually it it was addressed in a novel. there was a novelization where where she dealt with maybe it wasn't was it Dark Empire? Blaine, Steve, Blaine, have you read Dark <laughs> Empire? Uh, no. Actually. No. All right. Well, never mind then. <laughs> <There> was, uh... <laughs> Blaine, you're really working on this geek out loud appearance real well. Uh... <laughs> Edna, Edna, get. Hey, don't. Uh, ever since that Price is Right win, we can't really do anything with Edna. Um, yeah. No, I, saved indirectly. Blaine in the background saying, I would say she was saved indirectly. Well, the whole galaxy was. I mean, that's the whole point of him bringing balance of force, but I'm saying there's that personal contact, and I think you were saying the same thing. Yeah. There's a personal contact of Luke being saved.
2: I, I think that Leia definitely had the emotional maturity to be able to forgive Vader, but I do think it would have taken time. Which,
3: by the way, by the way, go for you it. You can remember you, you can remember your mother, All but right. you can't sense the fact that Vader is your father, and can't <laughs> sense the fact that there is still good in him.
2: I, well, I mean, I well,
1: think that the dark side clouds everything.
2: Well, and when she when she discuss, are you about
1: to start picking apart Star Wars? Because I will rip you.
2: <laughs> you call yourself a Star
1: Wars podcaster? No, I see. I'm not. I, I'm just pointing out the fact that I think Leia
3: has a much much less uh, personal connection to vader or the force at, at all and so i don't really get that sense i guess there's a sense of divinity in in the way that luke approaches the force and approaches life at that point he's matured to a point where i think leia hasn't so i actually <clears throat> this is the segment where uh, riley and bethany disagree oh Da-da-da-da. this doesn't happen no, uh, often uh, i think that she would not in return of the jedi now you know later later on as she became more mature in the force i could see that happening
1: um,
2: I disagree. Hold on, hold on guys. I need to do this
1: real quick. Let's let's just let's let's go into the Corner. Steve Star Wars All Corner. All right. Welcome to Steve Star Wars Corner.
2: Here is your host, Steve Glosson.
1: so here we are we've, we've made our way over to the corner thanks guys this, you're the first people to ever come play in the corner um, oh, I know so welcome welcome um, I know not even Jimmy Mac from Rebel Force Radio has made it to the Star Wars corner
2: you need to now get we, him on the Star Wars corner
1: uh i wouldn't can get you imagine i'm just gonna say this i know he listens and i'm just gonna put this out there i wouldn't get a word in edgewise <laughs> <laughs> i mean it would just be it become the jimmy mac show all of a sudden which i love jimmy mac, we need so to I'd be we'll, glad for that
3: yeah we need to play out what happened two years ago and just start since this since it seemed to work on this podcast now we're gonna start lobbying
1: for declassified. <laughs> well you guys you guys lobbied to be on the Geek Out Loud?
3: No, no, no. I'm just saying your appearance happened what two years ago, so now not on this kind of ever circular Star Wars podcast oh, thing. okay. We're kind of instead of going directly, we can now be in Steve Star Wars corner well, and it's a uh, safe yeah, place true, to
1: true, true. I'm a bit of a bump on the road though to anything else beyond <laughs> Geek Out Loud is kind of the dead end. I mean, once you get here, there's nowhere else to go. So, you know, welcome. <laughs> To the corner, anyhow. Um, Lando, mm-hmm. Leia forgave Lando, mm-hmm. and I mean, Lando all but killed Han, and all but turned them They're over a real to hero. The, yeah.
2: See, see what Le- <laughs> what, Leia, what Leia, yeah, what leah has, real
1: hero.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> What Leia has that is not is political, social, and emotional experience. I mean, Luke grew up in the desert in the planet that's farthest from the bright center of the universe. Luke is a little bit whining, a little bit immature, starting out. Uh, most Star Wars fans agree with that, but and it, but he he came so far. What Leia does not have, like you said, Riley, is the maturity in the Force. But I do think she has the emotional maturity, like with Lando. But go back to the Return of the Jedi when she and Luke. Are discussing this. She doesn't get angry. She doesn't explode. She doesn't get terribly upset. Instead, she
1: gets disgusted. That look on her face when he <laughs> says that Vader's his father. I mean, it is a look of disgust. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I think
3: that lends to my case. By the way, I'm just throwing that out there. What about what? That that she wouldn't have. Back to
1: the original question. I don't think she would have forgiven. She would have forgiven Vader. Hmm. And you're saying she would, Bethany?
2: I think she would have.
1: Like, I'm saying, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm saying eventually I think she would have had to. I think that she would have had to find mm-hmm. some serenity. And this is what, here's yes. what's interesting. We're going to get possibly the answer to a question like this. I was going like
3: to say, this. if only there were a Star Wars
1: movie if, yeah. If yeah. If only there were a Star Wars movie taking place beyond Return of the Jedi that would that would let us know about you this. You can dream, you can dream. Yeah, well, I also think, though, that you've got to take into consider. I want to go back to something you were talking about when you were like, how can she remember her mother and not realize the Dark Vader's... <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's more of an emotional thing. And I also think, I think there was a part of Belle Organa and her upbringing with Belle and, and his wife that they probably were not very secretive about Padme to an extent. I think that they mm-hmm. probably let her know this was who your mom was. You know, she was uh, <clears throat> she was real special. And so as a child, yeah. as a little child, being told she's beautiful, she's all this stuff. Leia remembers that, but then she probably also, through the Force, gets a little bit of that sadness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was imprinted upon her. It was the first thing that, you know, yeah. they're born, and the first thing that happens is her mom dies of a broken heart, basically. Yeah. Well, and can I just yeah. say very
3: briefly, I I, I, I just... Became what I really hate, and uh, I came off way more snidely than I meant that to sound <laughs> when I was describing uh, Leia. Because that was something, when watching the original trilogy, you got to remember, I'm prequel generation, for those right, of you who don't right. know. So, yeah. I, I, I'm just, it's, it's something to me when I see that in Return of the Jedi, I'm like, what? Yeah, but what? You, why, why would you uh, remember your mother? That doesn't make sense. So, mm-hmm. that was what, something that stuck with me as someone who grew up with the prequels. Instead,
1: yeah, I mean, and growing up and understand growing up in the original trilogy generation, if you will, the idea was always that Luke was the only one really separated from the parent proper, like he never knew his mother at all. But it mm-hmm. based on that speech, we always assumed Leia got to spend a little bit of time with her, yeah, you know, more than just mm-hmm. a few minutes or a few seconds, you know, being named and yeah. letting that be that. Um, so I don't yeah I mean that and that's all and that's because of the prequels that's become a bit of a bone of contention with folks like mm-hmm. well, but how can you remember mother and I think you know uh, the force may be an easy out for that, but I, I do go that route. I mean, stranger is,
2: things have happened in the context of the Star Wars universe. And
3: in some ways, <laughs> as a prequels fan, it's kind of weird and in its own twisted way refreshing when people actually critique the original trilogy. Based on, yeah, based on the prequel. Yeah,
1: based on the prequel. It's, it's almost always the reverse. Well, understand that they don't use that as a way to critique the original trilogy. They use that as a way to say
3: Lucas got it wrong. She said it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> like <'cause>, yeah, you <laughs> turned it around. I didn't Cursh turn it. I didn't turn it around. No. I'm just telling you what the haters do. The haters hate, man. Haters going to hate, son. That's uh, yeah. I think that's if
3: someone was going to say, "So you've you've been podcasting, you've been into the Star Wars community for a while. What's it been like?" and I would just say, "Haters going to hate." Haters, haters gonna gonna hate. Hate. Yes. Mean, going to. hate I mean, serious. yeah. Serious business. Like the only thing I've taken away. <laughs> so,
1: you yes. you've been to celebrations, you've you've seen Mark Hamill live DragonCon. Yeah, Dragon I, yeah, Con. Sure. You've had some great interviews, yeah. interviewed Anthony, interviewed. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> stop right there and talk about the word interviewed. Not a word. I like it. Not a word. But you've interviewed Anthony Anthony Daniels, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and so tell us what do you think of the the, the Star Wars fan? Hater's, haters can, gonna hate. Hater's gonna <laughs> hate. But <laughs> <laughs> can I get the question out all the way? <laughs> you knew the punchline. You were a little off on the time in there. Just, you, just a pointer. Just, just, just a, a pointer FY. for it. Yeah, yeah. Just FYI. Just. Get, but just I do,
2: I do want to touch on something that I'm interested in getting both of your opinions on because my viewpoint of Leia. And a lot of this is based more out of assumption than out of fact. But growing up as Bail Organa's do- daughter, growing up basically in the Senate mm-hmm. in politics all the time, to me would have made her a more... She's used to dealing with people. She's learned a lot about people. And therefore, she has the ability to be able to work with a lot of people while staying true to her own morals and values. I, I mean, you see her in The Force Unleashed. Yes, that's not movie Level, But you see her in The Force Unleashed as, what, a 16-year-old or played so? Played by Catherine Tabor,
3: actually. Yes, yeah. played
2: by Catherine Tabor. And her dealings with a secret apprentice who, you know, for, for all she sees, he's a dark side evil person with a lightsaber who's a lot like Vader. And she quickly is able to turn around and work with him and even come to some degree to pity him.
1: Vader, can't stop me now.
2: At 16. That's a lot of maturity for a mm-hmm. 16-year-old. green
1: So what's your question? Uh,
2: I guess my question was, what is your opinion of uh, her character during the time of A New Hope? And during the time of the original trilogy, because that had always been my assumption of her was her life was fairly difficult, but it did give her the tools to be able to uh, basically do really well with the Rebellion. The Rebellion would have really suffered without her.
1: Oh, I, I'm there's no question, mm-hmm. no question. The rebellion would have suffered. Since we're over in the corner, um, the Star Wars corner. That is Steve Star Wars corner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, it's only fitting we we do a little character analysis because that's what we do on Steve Star Wars corner. I mm-hmm. think when you start talking to Leia, you're talking about a character who's definitely she's been strengthened, if not by trials and tribulation, she's been strengthened by upbringing of having to be strong, having to learn how to maintain appearances, having to learn. The, the the art of diplomacy is an art Because you refrain so much From saying what is truly Truly on your mind And you yeah. say what's going to best Be accepted by those to whom you're speaking And and so when we First meet Leia the first thing We see from her is She takes out a mm-hmm. stormtrooper uh, I mean we see her put the plans in R2 And then the next thing we see really Is her, our, our true true introduction To her is taking out a stormtrooper um, mm-hmm. As they stun her, and then Darth Vader. Only you would be so bold. The Imperial Senate will not sit still for this. When you don't act so surprised, or worse, you know, and and, <laughs> and you see her standing toe to toe with Darth Vader. Imperial officers cower mm-hmm. in fear at this man. Princess Leia stands toe to toe with him, talking back and forth to him. Then, when she's in front of Grand Moff Tarkin. By the way, the only Imperial officer who does not
3: cower in front of Vader
1: is yeah is, is Grand Moff Tarkin and, and evacuate in a moment of triumph. <laughs> <laughs> we will deal with your rebel friends soon <laughs> Look out, <for> I, Stan.
2: <laughs> I, I knew I was not the only one who loves that he rolls his R's that way.
3: But, I mean, think about it. She... For someone who's supposed to be very diplomatic, she goes, walks up to this this same Tarkin and says, "I recognize a, your a foul stench when I was brought, brought on board.
1: board." I think though that's a, that's a sign of you know I know where I know who you really are. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> at this point, it's all out. She's with yeah. the rebellion because he's like, "Where is the r- 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 drum roll, please? <laughs> r- rebel base?" Uh, you know, he says, "Where's the rebel base?" And mm-hmm. and she never hides it anymore on yeah. Dantooine, on Dantooine. you know she's basically giving in yeah I'm a member of the rebellion so she's now at a point where she's like "Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what I think yeah
2: well we've basically seen all all pretensions have pretty much crumbled away yes
1: yeah definitely at this point. I mean well she's been tortured she's been put through the ringer there on the death star yeah. so you know now when she when he's like we'll try an alternative um <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's not how he said it <laughs> but uh, maybe she'll respond to an alternative form of persuasion um when, you know, that's after the mind probe. That's after all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and when he's taking her to, to blow up Alderaan right in front of her eyes. And and so, yeah, all pretenses have have not melted away, but just been shattered. You know, it's no more of this trying to fake things out. No more of this we're on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. It's It's now... Yeah, I'm a member of the Rebel Alliance, and the more you tighten your grip, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Yes. She is brave and bold in the midst of that, and (laughs) I think what's interesting is that it's only her life in that moment that's on the line, because the Mm -hmm. minute he's going to turn the full destructive power of that station on Alderaan, look how her tone changes. Yeah, And then further... When you get to Empire and they're there in the carbon freezing chamber, look how could I have said that any more hit. The carbon freezing chamber. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're gonna go down there to the carbon freezing chamber and do some carbon freezing. Skywalkers
3: just landed, my lord. Hey, let's see what will freeze now.
1: Hey y'all y'all bring me that tire. Let's see what happens when we put it down there. Uh, That's what I
3: like to think the Ugnots actually sound th- like. They just weren't in the film. Right, right. Well,
2: uh, and that's very similar uh, between her and Luke because Luke got reckless when he learned that his friends were in danger in Empire. Mm-hmm. Luke got angry in Jedi when his sister was threatened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a trait that they both definitely share.
1: Well, and, but I'm saying in Empire, in, in the carbon freezing chamber, <laughs> she, uh, she, you see a much more timid, you know, backed off Leia yeah. as though... That I think that diplomatic side begins to kick in, where she's like, I if maybe if we'll just show the res- respect that he yeah. desires, maybe if we'll just then then we can get out of this and he'll let us. You know, just with some type of hope for for diplomacy. Um, and then when it all goes south and it's time to fight, she's picking up arms again. You know, and and she is such an intriguing character because of that. She mm-hmm. she's cuddling with Wicket the Ewok on one hand, you know, and then picking up a blaster. A few minutes later, and and of course her buddies are all getting taken to be eaten by the Ewoks, and she's like, "Hey, they're cool, we're okay, calm down. These are my friends." I always hated that line, even as a kid. I didn't really there was some, something about the delivery of that line always. But these are my friends. I never did like that. But um, she uh, Job of the Hut, you know, was another mm-hmm. one. Like she she did what she had to do, and she was telling him what. She, you know, we have powerful friends, I'm sure. You know, you'll live to regret this, I'm sure. And so, you know, and then when it comes time when her opening's there, wrap the chain, choke the slug out the door, you know, and and that's that's Leia. That, you know, yeah. and so I d and my thing is though, because of that, because of her feistness, I mean, and let's be honest, we learned to love her because of her interaction with Han on the Death Star. <laughs> you came in that yes. thing? You're braver, th- braver than I thought, you know? Yeah. And she's like, look, I take orders from just one person, me. Surprise, you're still alive, you know? <laughs> Would someone get this big walking carpet out of my way? And and so we see this person who is tough, who's strong, who's hard-nosed, and but who does have a gentle side, who does love her friends, who is mm-hmm. very passionate about, these are my friends, who's very, you know, that. And so... I don't know I, I, I guess to go back To the original question I don't know I don't know if she. I don't think she would hmm. I think you're talking About Alea Who had a father She's not She's not like Luke Luke grew up Not knowing A father figure Other, I mean That's he had Uncle Owen, Uncle Owen But he had, She had mm-hmm. someone To call dad Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know Luke never did I mean Who wants Uncle Owen As your father figure
2: And in species? a way Luke well. was al- Luke was always Searching For something Right. And that was something that uh, Leia didn't. Leia really have. was
1: content. Leia knew, she knew her role and shut her. Mm-hmm. No, um, <laughs> she. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> <you>. Whoa. <laughs> no, she knew. She knew what her place in the galaxy was. She was content. It was the way she was raised by Bail. Mm-hmm. You know that he taught her. You can be strong. You can. We're gonna. You know. You can be yeah. a senator. You can do this stuff. Right under the nose of Vader, though. Too. You think about that. Think about that. You you know you turned it around a minute ago with your little snarky comment about how did you <laughs> never really sensed Vader's fault. Vader standing right there in front of her.
2: I mean, you yeah. imagine what a terrifying upbringing that would be. I mean, to have this darkness looming over your family constantly.
1: Not for her. I don't think. I don't know how much they let her in on the darkness. I think. I yes,
2: but to some degree, if she was pulled into politics at mean, that young as the of an age. And stuff, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, yeah, I, def, I mean, definitely, and so that—that's what I'm saying. She's not, she was not hard because of circumstances as much as her upbringing. You know, yeah. she wasn't tough and plucky and everything.
2: Well, I think a major difference between her and Luke as well is what she brings to the table, among many other qualities, but is experience. She knows this galaxy very well she knows the inner workings of the politics and the politicians backwards and forwards uh, but what luke brings to the table is a fresh perspective and in some ways a pure understanding of some things that are going on because of his connection with the force that leia yeah, I, doesn't have
1: yeah i think that and, and and hopefully as we get into episode seven We'll see that. We'll
2: see. That, I hope that Luke, to see that
1: that Luke has definitely taken that role and yeah. uh, of, of of mentor and has passed on, as Yoda said, what he has learned. Uh, I think <laughs> just
3: listening uh, to you, Steve, specifically talking about Leia, I'm thinking to myself, how on earth do you recapture that? I, I don't. It's just I, how do you recapture what what Carrie Fisher uh, did specifically, what you know Lawrence Kasdan did and uh, the team that did Empire, especially where well, you, I mean,
1: can I? I'll I be, let me be honest with you. I think that it's all it's been done. I think that, I think that Natalie Portman did a great job of being the mother of Leia from episode one. I'm like, that's Leia's mom. From that moment when they're making the plan of what they're going to do, the 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 Gungan distraction battle, the 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 ships battle, mm-hmm. to her breaking into the palace and getting the viceroy and and it, there's that line where they're like well you know we need to make sure that if we don't get the viceroy if he escapes then they'll just come back with more And she's like well that's why we got to get the viceroy everything depends on it i mean she's just so blatant so blunt rather so matter of fact so this is it and i and and i'm telling you from day 1 of seeing episode 1 back in 1999 i said that's Leia's mom. That's Leia's mom. Yeah. I totally see it. No, and, no, I,
3: and it was definitely captured from the pr-
1: uh, perspective of a maternal figure that you could
3: see this lineage uh, coming down. I'm I'm speaking strictly of Episode Seven. When you talk about the chemistry of the mm-hmm. original trilogy, uh, which is probably in terms of modern cinema. Right up there with the best uh, mm-hmm. chemistry of the main actors. How do you... I'm, I'm thinking... I'm racking my brain for the last 10 years and can't think of a single film that comes close. And so, if you're... Truly. Yeah, because... Uh, put it this way. If you're J.J. You're Abrams, you're mm-hmm. Kathleen Kennedy, mm-hmm. and you're, you're trying to make the next Star Wars film, mm-hmm. how on earth So do you... So,
1: you, re- you don't think the Kirk-Spock dynamic in... You don't think Quint... Zachary Quinto... Quinto. Quinto. <laughs> Zachary Quinto and uh and Chris Pine's chemistry was was up to what 4 To the Empire Luke Strikes Shower? Back? No. No, not hmm. at all. Uh, now, you're talking about what what chemistry in particular in Empire Strikes Back, Luke and Yoda? They're so, No, I
3: I am well we're on Leia right now. Right. So I'm thinking about just Leia on? No, I'm just, just speaking of uh, the chemistry of the big 3 mainly. Right. Uh in the Empire Strikes Back, the way that they interact, that believability and that the the characterization that's okay. so well point, done. Point of order, Mr. Yes. Speaker.
1: Okay. <laughs> um the only time you really see those three on screen though is the one scene out after the back to tank. That's the only mm-hmm. time those three are on screen together in Empire.
2: Are are you speaking of the big three characterization throughout the movie not just with them with each other? This is why she's my co-host, Steve. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will take that. Answer. No, I <laughs> Well, that's why I said with Leigh and Han because their chemistry yeah. flows through and then, and then you get a you don't really you don't even get that much of
2: Luke and Leia, yeah. Uh, until until Jedi, yeah. Uh, for
3: me, zoom out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm speaking of, you're approaching these films. Mm-hmm. You want to make them as good as the original trilogy, of course you do. It's not going to happen.
1: Why are you being? Neg- don't come on, geek out loud. I, and no, being I, negative <laughs> Nancy. And I'm not
3: saying that's a terrible thing because they will be fantastic films. But like the prequels, we have to ask our uh, fans. Expect that my
1: eyes twitching
3: right now. <laughs> no, Steve, stay with me. We have to expect that we will have new Star Wars films. Yes, that will uh, not be the same as the original trilogy. They yes, will not definitely. recapture the the amazing characterization. Uh, Why of not? The big three. Why not? Because what if you was, have? They're going to have the big because, three. See, that was lightning in a bottle. I don't think that it's it's it'll be repeatable with entire. You're, you're, te- you're, 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 you're telling me. Hold
1: on. You're telling me. You're telling me that Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher, if they're all back, if they're all back, this is uh, recording February 23rd, 2013. Mm -hmm. Strong rumors, strong, strong possibility all three Mm -hmm. of them are going to come back. Yeah. But let's just still stick, stick that if there. That if they come back, that they will not be able to have the same level of chemistry that they had in those roles 30 years ago, simply because time has passed. Absolutely not. Now... I will say this. Uh, I mean, you're just... <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Let's <laughs> confirm, because I don't... Were you saying absolutely not, that's yes. not what you're saying, Th- or absolutely not, they won't have the chemistry?
3: That chemistry will not be there, and I don't think we should expect it, because it's it's a new story, and it's a new generation. It's not even the same villains. It's it's uh, It has to move in How do a you different know
2: that? direction. They're I, dead, for the most
3: part? Well, what... Wait! He fell down a reactor shaft.
2: Oh no! He can
3: come I'm trying back. to think of the last one that fell down a reactor shaft. No, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. What? Ha- where's Darth Maul? And Emperor didn't even get cut in half. This is
3: true. Um, but I think, in all seriousness, the new trilogy will be very different in flavor than the original trilogy. I think a lot of the... But are you saying there.
2: that it won't be as good?
3: But, and that's where I think you guys are... Because are, are, that's are, what you're are, sounding are, I like. Think, I think being radically different in feel than the... Not radically, but being d- different with new creative leads, uh, 7, 8, and 9 have the potential, I think, with J.J. J. Abrams personally, because uh, I'm a big fan, will be as good or better than the original trilogy.
1: What? I, I mean, I don't. Look, what? Look, look, I'm your friend. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm your friend. I just, I when you start talking about better than the original trilogy, I'm not saying no. I When you say as good as, because here's the thing I like the prequels as good as I like the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. There are, Absolutely. they all have their warts, they all sure. have their, their shortcomings. I'm talking like all six films. And I anticipate the same for 789, and I think the, 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 the hard pill to swallow with the sequel trilogy will be the new characters involved. It's going yes. to be whoever the new character, and I think that that's going to be key. Yeah, are definitely. these new characters, and so well, you're not going to have
3: uh, old Ben meet with Han in the cantina and them go off in an adventure. It's not going to happen, or will you? No, you won't, <laughs> because and I'm just speaking specifically of what if you have
1: old Luke meet with a Han type?
3: That would be fantastic. It wouldn't be the same as Alec Guinness and Harrison Ford at their age, and I think what, what if it's what Han, my is what I, if
1: it's old Luke with Mark Hamill doing an Alec Guinness impersonation <laughs> meeting a Han type? Uh, I mean, <laughs> and, then, and then actual Han Solo call up will be like, kid, you've already got a ship. Come on, let's go. <laughs> that
3: Dock, would, I, I, I would buy that.
1: And look, it was 94.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I would buy that. Uh, but I think that it, when you're talking about this new trilogy, oh, all, I I hearing, <laughs>
1: all
3: I keep hearing... I keep hearing people say, man, isn't this great? Those horrible prequels are, are going to be gone and it's going to be just like the original trilogy again.
1: Yeah. Oh, I no. Now, that... I, don't, I don't think it's going to be just... I don't think anything's going to be just like the original trilogy. Yeah. But I think when you start making statements like, don't expect the same level of chemistry, don't expect... I, I think that you are... I know what you're doing. Okay. You're trying to set yourself up to not be disappointed.
3: This is Steve being the psychologist now. Well, you're, you're... I'm
1: just saying. <laughs> I, I totally get that because yeah. I, I know... Listen. Listen. I'm listen li- to li- me. Li- I've been <laughs> there with the people. I was not one of them. But in 1999, I remember when people started complaining about Jar Jar and... Jar Jar. And Jar Jar (laughs) and and a 10-year-old Anakin. I I remember that. I was there. And I I remember walking out of the theater thinking, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Mm. You know, my, my friend, my good, good friend Thomas leaned over to me during the first 10 minutes of the movie and he said, we've already gotten more lightsaber action in the first 10 minutes of this movie than we had in the whole original trilogy and i'm like he's like and this is amazing i'm like you're right it's amazing and so that's how i walked out of star wars episode one episode two when you walk away from episode two you're walking out of one of the last things you saw was yoda flipping around the room with a lightsaber in his hand after let me tell you what excited me more about the lightsaber the blocking of the sith lightning The way he does that, the first, sending it back, the second, just absorbing it. I love that image. I love it. And so when you're talking about, I never was one of those people, but I know the people who were disappointed. Mm -hmm. I know what they expected. I know how it was. My thing is, it's like, let's just be excited for it. Yeah. And be okay yeah. with that. And and yeah. don't try to break down, don't worry about chemistry. We're gonna have chemistry. Okay, okay. We'll have chemistry.
2: Well you talk about the cliff. Well
1: because here's the, I'll tell you what else I've seen J.J. J. Abrams do. You guys haven't seen Super 8. No. We have not. Let me tell you something. J. J. Abrams knows how to pull the the best out of a cast, even a cast of kids. Mm-hmm. And and he I really think he's gonna be the one. And you got to remember, he's, a, he's an original fan. He's an original trilogy Star Wars fan. He is coming at this from that angle. He's got a guy who's writing a script in Michael Arndt who knows... How, um, you guys haven't seen Toy Story 3, but I'm going to tell you this. Michael Arndt wrote one of the most human stories ever mm-hmm. about a group of toys. Yeah. And I'm- so you combine screenwriter, J.J. J. Abrams, the flavor of hopefully having the original big three... Which can I just say something? I'm tired of people saying the big three. I don't know who they're going to put in the Chewbacca suit because I know Peter Mayhew, God bless him, isn't able to suit up anymore. I mean, I, I don't think he can really walk right now unassisted. Last yeah. time I saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I, the big four, you know, is I mean, if we see Solo, we got to see Chewie. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and yeah, and so I, I think that you're talking about a situation where you've got a director and you've got a writer who are going to, I think they're going to be an awesome collaboration. Well, there,
2: there are really two things that play into this discussion for me. A, what is your expe- expectation for the movies in that? What does it need to be to feel like Star Wars? It's got to have I, the
3: Yusan <laughs> Vong It's It's got to. It's, it it will be Star Wars. But
2: B, <laughs> also looking at the creative team behind the sequel trilogy, looking at what we already know. Kathleen Kennedy... She knows what she's doing. Look at her background. Look at her bio. Look at her film credits. Yeah, look at her background.
1: (laughs) You looked at one of her background films tonight, Riley, for the first time. Sure did.
2: Mm -hmm. Sure did. Uh, J.J. Abrams, we've already discussed. I believe that he will be a fantastic director. The writers, having George Lucas as a creative consultant, basically, at least for me, I see this movie as having my dream team of creative powerhouse behind it Uh, but as far as what feels like star wars i love both the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy both of them felt like star wars to me Mm -hmm. they had the adventure they had the romance they had the action they had good versus evil just classic star wars lightsaber battles character chemistry and so while while we may not have aspects of all of that being exactly the same replicated in the sequel trilogy I think it's set up to be a win.
1: There's been a lot of talk to that point. There's been a lot of talk where Lawrence Kazan came out and said they hope to recapture some of the fun yes. of the original trilogy. Mark Hamill talked about the effects and how he, he hopes that J.J. That Abrams will use, uh, will be willing to use a mixture, a healthy mixture of practical and digital mm-hmm. effects. You know, Mark talks about being old school, liking the miniatures, liking that. Uh, the last thing that Lucas, Lucasfilm sold off its miniatures division after episode three, the last miniature they ever made was Utapal from Revenge of the Sith. The, the city that's in the big sinkhole there. Mm-hmm. Um, you you do have a lot of these folks who are involved in the in the film or potentially involved in the film referring to the original trilogy as kind of the bible for what they're going after and and they seem to not necessarily not necessarily put down the prequel trilogy. Well, mm-hmm. silence speaks loudly. So, thank yeah. you. Yeah, look at you. But, but let me ask you
2: this: Is this so simply well-spoken. because they know different. that? Is this simply because they know that the media and the the internet is, community will respond cool better? Did
1: you say the internet fake media? No, no, no. Um, <laughs> the
2: internet fan community. Fan
1: community. Yeah. Yes. I, well, I, I do. I think. I think that's part of it, and I and I think that it's become easy and, and an easy target to hit the prequels um if you're if you're reporting anything star wars i I do have an idea though that everyone's after that original trilogy feel. I think mm-hmm. they're all fans or have worked on it mm-hmm. and and I think that to your question, what do you expect? I have no expectations mm-hmm. i because i don 't know what to expect
2: well, I I'm, think that will play into everyone's experience for the movie right so i I would rather that. Each fan has an idea of, I love Star Wars for all of these reasons. Mm-hmm. If this movie hits some of these reasons, then it doesn't yeah. have to have a specific character in it. It doesn't have to have a specific villain or timeline in it. It just has to feel like Star Wars. I mean, what did you come to Star Wars originally for? Well, and for? that's the
1: thing. What makes it, feel, and, you asked, and the second question was, what yeah. makes it feel like Star Wars? I'll be honest with you lightsabers and blasters, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and hyperspace Yes. Yes. ships. I, I tell you, I've said this and I've told our good friend Blaine this when when, he, when Blaine asked me what I thought about J.J. J. Abrams. I said, look, there's one shot in Star Trek that I don't care if he completely copies and puts in Star Wars and just changes the ship. When the Enterprise comes out mm-hmm. of warp, just full guns then blazing. There, yeah.
2: and oh, yes.
1: Just switch that to the... Have the same shot. Go rip the shot off. <laughs> yes. You know? And just stick the Millennium Falcon where the Enterprise once was, and I'm like, that's Star Wars. Yeah, I'm yeah. good to go. I mean, you know? Star
2: Wars captures that's... the imagination. Yeah, Star Wars gives you inspiration. Well, and,
1: and and I mentioned the Falcon. That's the one thing that I'm really hoping we see in se- at least Episode Seven, is the Millennium Falcon. I I feel yeah. like you... to me, I will probably cry. If that is on screen, because it will feel even more than going back to Tatooine yeah. in the in the prequel trilogy, it will feel like I am home. W- if we see yes. it, like I'm getting emotional thinking about the just the freaking Millennium <laughs> Falcon being on screen again with Han at the cockpit, not Lando, but Han in the cockpit, I, I think would just be be fantastic, fan freaking fantastic. Oh, can you oh, yeah. can you imagine just like a
3: throwaway line? What was that? What was that? It was a piece of junk. Cut to the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're talking about approaching Star. Wars. I think, and Steve, you're pro- you're going to be way better at this than I am. You're right. Um, uh, when <laughs> you're approaching.
1: <laughs> 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 All right.
3: Um, when you're approaching Star Wars, I think you have to have a certain level of, frankly, blind, childish enthusiasm, yes. and I mean that in the in the best of ways, mm-hmm. and. It's so easy to get trapped into the negativity, and like, uh, and for me, it's uh, it's easy to get trapped into the negativity of other people being negative, right. especially yeah. especially doing what we do. We're reading a mm-hmm. sh- uh, Star Wars, a Star Wars show,
1: a Star Wars <laughs> show, <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars. Um, We've got a really big Star Wars shoe for you tonight. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah,
3: But it's it's easy because uh, to be it. honest, there will be plenty of people who will not like the, the future trilogy. And those are people who are really excited right now. Hmm. Man, it's going to be amazing. But they will approach it the same way they approach the prequels with mm-hmm. the same high expectations that it will capture their memory of their innocent childhood be- well, before they became high embittered.
2: expectations, but extremely specific ones. It, they have a criterion list that's a mile long. It has to have this. It has to not have this. It has to portray so-and-so in this way. And yeah. If it has so-and-so... By God, it better not do this.
1: Right, right. You you think that there are going to be people who say, "Well, there obviously already are." There are people who say right. they need to do heir to the empire. There are people who say they need to do the Yuuzhan Vong invasion. There are people who are saying they need to do. I don't know anyone who's saying they need to do that one book with the Morian guards dressed as <laughs> stormtroopers. But, um, but yeah, I think there's definitely some of that, and and I think it comes from a specific uh, place in fandom when people started talking about like the old Republic. Uh, Mm -hmm. MMO and talking about how that trailer was more Star Wars than anything George Lucas had done in the prequels Mm -hmm. Uh, that was and it's very very prevalent Uh, Mm -hmm. but see to me it's like they don't know Star Wars then yeah because that was less Star Wars than anything Star Wars I'd seen outside of Star Wars you know and and because what we had, it was awesome. It was amazing to look yeah, at. Sure, sure. It was a cool concept. And but I'm not going to say it was more or less Star Wars. I'll say less. I'm not. Gonna, there's no way to say it's more Star Wars than what George Lucas has done. Because now yeah. what you're saying is the man who created it doesn't know it. And and mm-hmm. to me, that is that is the height of arrogance. Mm-hmm. That's like me trying to tell you guys. Well, you guys really don't know how to do Star Wars report, right? You know, Star Wars report isn't Star Wars report unless I'm on there. You know. And, <laughs> well, and here's here's something. I mean, that I've, I've given you guys fifty suggestions since you've been in town. <laughs> <some> <laughs> better Star Wars report, and none of them are going to be taken, and that's <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's I'll be a well, little optimistic. I,
3: something that I've actually wanted to say for some time on the Star Wars report, but never felt prepared for, so I'll do it here. Um, oh. Ooh. oh, my goodness. Late I know
2: what he's, talking about. Yeah, know I've I've what he's about talking about. I know what he's talking about. Oh, goodness.
3: There's, uh, it, people like to define. I mean, in some ways, we're doing it now. But people like to define what you can be or can't be as a Star Wars fan, what you can or can't like. Right. You have to like the prequels. You can't like the prequels. This or that. And and there's a, another very common consensus that I could see someone saying where, if you like anything about Star Wars, then you're a Star Wars fan.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not,
3: and, and, but... I will, I'd actually like to refute that. And that's, that's the common thing. It's like, well, you can like anything about it, and it's fine. Because I think that there's something more important. And it goes back to what we, uh, we were saying a minute ago about that, that blind, childish enthusiasm, um, or innocent enthusiasm might be a better way to put it. If you are more positive about Star Wars, if it's a more positive experience than negative mm-hmm, experience, mm-hmm. I'd like to welcome you to our community. If you are more negative, hateful. Trollish, you you know you you name it. And then you are positive. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You don't like Star Wars. You're wasting your time. And so it's it's. I think we're going to see this happening over the next year, two, three, uh, as these films come out. And I think it'll be a true test of of who still wants to, you know, be a Star Wars fan.
1: Yeah, there's a good friend of this show, and uh, she has emailed me several times. In fact, it, I actually spent a couple of episodes responding to mm-hmm. her email that she sent, or several emails. And um and she it's not that she hasn't liked anything Star Wars since episode four came out in nineteen seventy seven, but she's had issues. Sure. And it's issues sure. that have given her pause and given her a hard time. But she but I would never look at this person and say, Well you're not a Star Wars fan. Sure, absolutely you not. No, at all. Because she's not trollish. Yeah. She's not consistently negative the way you yep, said, yep. but she has her Issues that she takes great issue, and she <laughs> intelligently put forth a lot of things to the and to this point. That one of my only my biggest argument was you're thinking way too intelligently about it. Uh, you know, I yeah. mean, that's the only thing i can say is like because you said a blind childhood innocence or blind childhood enthusiasm about it. I said this early on when I started talking about Star Wars on Geek Out Loud. When I finally let myself talk about Star Wars on Geek Out Loud after, uh gosh, several several episodes, I said I grew up with Star Wars. But Star Wars didn't grow up with me, and I have to be okay with that. For all the novels that were written, or as Riley tonight called them, I'm going to say this, and Mark Herleman, oh, no. you need to hear this. Uh, as Riley said, the, uh, the oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> You're going to make me repeat it? Yes.
3: Uh, I, I use the term uh, licensed Fan Licensed fan fiction, yeah. Now, that's a very charged uh, term. Yeah, thank know, you with, very much, Steve, by the way. Uh, with, no,
1: because <laughs> Geek out loud, getting controversial into the fan community! Oh, no. um, <laughs>
3: but, but now you have to give me, like, at least one minute.
1: <laughs> Andrew, bring me the riot shields! <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, no, in, in ways that could mean real really terrible stuff and really good stuff because a lot of fans are enthusiastic and write fiction about that galaxy far far away and lame. but it can be it can be something that speaks to them and i think yeah. uh you talked about how lame that was though <laughs> uh but
2: yeah, <laughs> now, now and, and you're some, just flaming some of the star wars
3: some of the star wars novels are lame but that's my opinion because they tell uh, Star Wars through a very different lens. You have you know you have Death Troopers as a horror novel, and if you don't like horror, you're not going to like Death Troopers. Here you, how can you be a Star Wars fan? No, <laughs> but it, it, in, in that way, I kind of view it as uh, fan fiction because these are enthusiastic authors who are fans of the saga, mm-hmm. telling Star Wars stories from their perspective. And you got to keep that in mind. Licensed fan fiction. Yeah, yeah, you said
1: it as mm-hmm. a you said it as a, as a cut while ago though. Yeah, yeah. No, you weren't were being very positive about it. You were all hyped up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> you were coming you were coming at star wars the expanded universe like a spider monkey <laughs> is what you were doing uh, uh, no i i think that i think that what's happened is is for a lot of people we know the themes that we've explored through the my age people you know from my generation we sat around and we talked about what are the clone wars mm-hmm. we sat around and we talked about how do you think what do you think happened with anakin and obi-wan we sat around and we talked about i mean the idea of a woman never entered into the conversation as kids, the idea that Anakin might have fallen in love—that never entered into any of our minds. You know, mm-hmm. um, we sat around and we talked about all this stuff, and we played out with our Star Wars figures. Man, new scenarios—what happened after Return of the Jedi? For me, they stuck around. They hung out with the Ewoks, man. <laughs> <laughs> they stay. They they incorporated the Ewoks into what they were doing. Played and, with the know, Ewok battle ram. Yeah, the battle, <laughs> the battle, the battle wagon is what Belt. it's called. Um, you know. But no, I'm serious. Like that's we. That's what we did as kids. Mm-hmm. As we as we continued on, and then as we got older, those of us who were still fans, and you know, through the dark times, and when I met people, especially at college, who we'd sit around and talk about it. We'd get into the deeper things behind it. We'd get into the mythology. We'd get into the what's happening, and, and this is. And I remember it was before the it was before the prequels ever came out. I was talking to a friend. I'm like, well, you know, this at the end of the day, this really isn't Luke Skywalker's story. And he looked at me and he's like, what are you talking about? I said, this is the tragedy of Darth Vader. I said, we started Episode Four. We've not seen Episodes One, Two, and Three. I said, but. We know what happens there, that Vader, that Anakin becomes Vader and, you know, basically yeah. wipes out the Jedi and, and, and somehow his son is and, and daughter is secretly born and he doesn't know it. And so his son comes and redeems This is a tragedy of Darth Vader. And then a yeah. few years later, what's Lucas saying? Well, you know, this is really Anakin's story. And, oh, yeah. You know, now with the sequel trilogy as well, it's just Skywalkers. Um, and that's all fine. That's good, you mm-hmm. know. but But for at least the first two trilogies, it's the tragedy of Darth Vader. And those are the kind of things we'd sit around and talk about. And we would take these lofty, you know, Shakespearean ideas <laughs> and, and apply to these movies, which is fine. That mm-hmm. to me, that's the genius of it that you can sit there and do that. But at the end of the day, if you forget that they're just, that they're based, they're, they're birthed out of someone who had fun watching Flash Gordon serials as a kid and wanting to recapture that fun, then you forget the basis of what these movies are. And um and so I totally agree with you. I think that there has to be to get back to what you said, I think there has to be a, a childlike wonder and a childlike innocence, you know, almost blindly, the way you said to, to come back into it. Now, we got into this whole discussion with a question, could Leah forgive Vader? Um that's a yes no question. <laughs> Riley, yes, no. No. Bethany?
2: Yes. Under certain circumstances. Yes, with but a caveat. But I did want to take this opportunity okay, <laughs> to say, let's face it. If if you're on this show or if you're listening to the show, that means that you have heavily invested in Star Wars and or in the geek community. It means you know a lot about it. You're listening to it. You're enjoying it. You're following the news. You're loving it. You may be a reader of the books, the comics, a fan of the Clone Wars, a huge fan of the movies. But you have been in there, in the trenches. And I think it's important as a fan to step out of those trenches sometimes and take a look at Star Wars as it has been. And to take a stab at a guess of how Star Wars will be to fans 10 years, 20 years down the road. Uh, When you have the original Star Wars come out and to you, it's, it's amazing. It's wonderful, but it's also just one movie. Mm -hmm. And then you have all of the movies come out and you have the books, the clone wars. Uh, But I love to imagine what it will be like as a new fan, a twelve-year-old being introduced to Star Wars, ten, fifteen years down the f- down the road. And there are nine movies or twelve movies. Uh, there are a whole more series. With all, yeah, with all these <laughs> There, there are yeah. more books. There are, there are live action television shows. There's so much there. You're not going to have this divide of well, I'm a prequel trilogy fan, or I am a sequel trilogy fan, I know, or I, I, I am think, an I original think the trilogy of fan. The basics,
1: you'll have even more divide.
2: You will, but there will be so many to choose from. It's not like you're on one side or the other. You're either with me or you're against me because.
1: <laughs> and it, right we'll now, have, and then we'll have to like team up with factions against other factions when I kind of agree with these people over here and they kind of agree with me, I'm like, well, let's take out these idiots. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no, but I think that will open people's minds like the more. Horsemen
1: versus the NWO back in the 90s, and you guys don't get that reference, it's wrestling.
2: <laughs> but I, I guess in a way, it's uh, rather like politics these days. Imagine how our country's politics would, uh, how politicians would interact with each other if there were three major parties or four major parties. It'd be a very different ballgame. Well,
1: I think there's about to be that around. I I think you're about to have, in a few years, you're going to have people who just completely accept everything Star Wars that comes on the big screen, the people Mm -hmm. who accept the original trilogy and that only, the people who accept the prequel trilogy and maybe the original trilogy. Because I know people, and it seems like heresy to people my age and for my generation, but I know people who prefer the prequel over the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And, And that blows my mind that that'd be the case. Are you raising your hand, Riley?
3: (laughs) A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. You're just learning this? There's, uh, and I guess, caveat, it's specifically episode three. Hmm, which, caveat. Yeah. Gosh, gosh, gosh. Yeah.
2: Riley's favorite Star Wars Star movie Wars. is episode <laughs> three.
1: Your favorite movie is yes, Revenge of the Sith, okay. <laughs> and
2: Blaine, Blaine, Blaine agrees <laughs> with me. Blaine
1: agrees. This so, bump. So two uh, out of five so far. Mm-hmm. Bethany?
2: Mine is Empire with Revenge of the Sith as a very close second. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Pinky, got it over there? Pinky's like <laughs> 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 just Phantom Menace.
2: Oh, uh, i the Jedi. Star oh, Wars has entered a new era and I don't think that this is really well, and you guys fully were exposed, hit fans. Yeah,
1: you, you guys were exposed to a little bit of that today uh, just walking around the Star Wars room. Here at oh house, yeah, yeah, you know, and you saw just in the toys, sure, you know, here are the vintage things, here are the more new things, look at what you mm-hmm. know here's this shelf over here with this stuff on it, and and I think that and and that got me waxing nostalgic about having this as a kid, having that as a kid doing this, doing that the, yeah. and and you and you and and I think it began you begin to see wow this this is something that was with me like almost daily. You know, this whole Star Wars thing. And so when, when and I told, I told you guys, that I think there's several eras we've already been through. One is when it was actually happening, you know, 77 to 83, 84-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, then when it died down from about 85 to 92, when, when that Zond book first came out, Air of the Empire first popped up on shelves. And I think there was a whole new era of Star Wars there from 90, because those books were number one New York Times bestsellers when they came out and the, the Zahn novels and, and it just showed there was a hunger. There was still a passion for these characters, for these movies, for, you know, this, this thing that had become buried in very, very subtle pop culture references here and there was suddenly back on the bookshelves. And, um, and then from, I, I, I even say there's a little mini era from 97 to 99 when it was just the the special editions had been re-released and mm-hmm. and then you hit that prequel era and i mean we've been running wild since and we're getting ready to hit a True. new era you know yeah. we're getting ready yeah. to hit a new era with this with this sequel trilogy so um <clears throat> say all that to say this i don't know that leah would be yeah. able to forget no, Vader. I don't know. <laughs> um He asked one second question. Oh, no. Oh, no. Listen, this is Geek Out Loud. We don't have a time limit on this. We're not live. We're not on the Middle Earth Network or whatever it is. Um, He says this. Would Luke think any differently of Vader if he would have seen the video of him killing little kids in Revenge of the Sith?
4: Hmm.
1: Oh. So basically switch
2: Luke and Leia's position in some ways.
3: I mean, let's get real. Like like everything before this wasn't uh, or something. <laughs> <laughs> but,
4: uh,
3: but I was just immediately thought of uh, Ewan McGregor's expression, Obi Wan's expression when he sees that yeah. footage. When he man. tells
1: when he tells Padme about it, when he's like, "I saw footage of him killing." Like he looks like he's about to get sick thinking about yeah. it. And so, yeah. if Luke somehow stumbled upon that same security footage, ah, uh, well, are you shaking your like, naked no,
4: Yes. <laughs>
3: Are we talking Return, we're talking Return of the Jedi, right? Era Luke. Sure, we're talking Luke, yeah. Uh, see, sure, why not? If you went if you went a New Hope or Empire Strikes Back, I would mm. say no, he would not have uh, still okay, forgiven right. him. But I, you think Return ha- of
1: the Jedi would have said, "Yeah, you killed kids. I can let that go, Dan." Well, I mean, he love ble- you. Let's go play some catch.
3: Well, at that point, he blew up a planet already. Yeah. So you have you have yeah. precedent. That's
1: true. Yeah. But he didn't do that. I mean, the the argument could be made that Vader did not do that. Tarkin did that.
2: But Vader is the face... Tarkin said,
1: you may fire when ready. When (laughs) ready. Yes.
2: But Vader is the... Call back! Vader is the feared face of the Empire. He is the imposing black. I I mean, he he walks into the scene and everybody trembles in terror.
1: He is. I agree with that. But at the same time, I do think there's enough of a distinction, especially with, with these folks understanding Star Wars politics better than we do, That it was Tarkin who said fire when ready and pulled us, you know, and that he he called Vader didn't call for that order. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think Luke that what I'm saying is, I think Luke could justify that one out of his mind, sure, sure. Okay, and then and but if he saw with his own eyes that (laughs) Vader killing children footage, could he do it? Could he be like, Yeah, dad, I'm so glad you're here now. As a sparkly, glowy blue guy. I think so. I love you, pops.
2: I think so. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Luke's a better man than I am, then. <laughs> yeah,
3: and it's and because and I think that the the power of forgiveness is there regardless of, of the circumstances. I don't think that uh, the the theme more thematically, Return of the Jedi is about forgiveness, and I I don't think it would be an oh, well.
2: I mean, if the story, if this is a story of the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker, then it's the rise, fall, and redemption. Of Anakin Skywalker and the return of the Jedi really is about his redemption particularly the end act of the movie
3: I mean we're all sinners Steve
4: <laughs>
1: that's true that's true oh wow Pinky's over there like she's starting to get the levels of sin oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, it is I think it's everyone's least favorite part of the movie I think and, it, and you got to remember Darth Vader
3: Yes, he killed the younglings. He also slaughtered in cold blood Newt Gunray. And that's. that's well, <laughs> that's unforgivable.
4: <laughs> no, please. Can no. I say,
3: I actually. I was already an emotional wreck at that point watching the film <laughs> well, yes. for the first time. I nearly teared up because I actually felt sorry for Newt Gunray in that moment.
1: Why did you feel sorry for Newt Gunray? Because
3: he's a a simple, greedy creature of the earth so to speak he's golem for that moment like that brief moment i just kind of see him as what was pathetic what um, was the
2: last thing that he said we just wanted peace
3: yeah which i thought was an odd line choice for someone who spent their life trying to obtain wealth and was willing to do anything at you know ha- have any cost to get there
1: lord sidious told us there was peace i think what he thought was we, we won we're not about yeah. to be killed I think yeah. that's what he meant But I don't
3: But think I think that line's it. Actually more symbolic Than people would Everyone breezes past That moment in Revenge yeah. of the Sith And I do think They're that
2: like oh right. yeah He's dead yeah, Frogface is dead I, I'm celebrating People we were
3: watching With it cheered
2: Oh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah Well that's the
1: thing Is I don't think You can underestimate How, how bad those dudes were uh, They were obviously yeah. tricked I'm not gonna I, Well I gotta say this I never had any sympathy For winked. Gollum I never had any sympathy For Gollum In Lord of the Rings What? What? Truly. You
2: heartless creature! How, he, how did he
1: come about the ring?
2: Well, I mean,
1: how did he come to the ring?
2: Oh, we all know that story. How did Steve. he get
1: possession of the ring? He killed by someone killing for his it. friend. Exactly by killing his friend. Mm-hmm. Done. I don't care how pathetic it makes him in the end. He killed his friend. Do what? Yeah, that's what the ring does. Uh, so he well, he wasn't in
3: possession of the ring. No, yeah, a, Gollum is a is a sickly creature. That oh boy, now this is oh. becoming a uh, little
1: <laughs> Basically, creature who... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, we got to... Real quick. Okay. Luke sees the footage. Can he forgive Vader? Yes. Can he forgive Vader? Yes. I don't know. Blaine <laughs> says yes. All right. This has been Steve's Star Wars Corner. You've been listening to Steve's Star Wars Corner. May the Force be with you. Now, Ooh. Gollum, I just don't have any sympathy for him. You were saying he's a sickly creature. Who, okay, I don't yeah, think it, you're it, supposed it, to have sympathy did, to when, for him. One
2: quick question for you, Steve: Did you read The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit before you watched the movies? Long before, yes. Okay, okay.
1: yeah. Well, I, I think you're not really supposed to feel sympathy. Never for had him. any sympathy for Gollum reading those books. Uh, pity, yes. Sympathy, no. I never had pity for him. Really? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Wow, I was okay. always, I was always like Frodo. I'm like. He should have run him through. Bilbo should have just handled him when he had a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, That's yeah. what I'm saying. i never th- agreed with Frodo. Well, I think to have pity for him. Oh, Blaine's chiming in now. Blaine's like, hook up a fourth mic, please. Please, <laughs> please hook up a fourth mic.
0: That time when Sam's talking about the tales that really matter at I I mean, you see Gollum looking and really. You're talking about the movies. Yeah, I, I mean, well, because you get a better visual representation, you could say.
1: <laughs> I'm not, that. no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about in the books. I just never had sympathy for Gollum. Gollum, in, I in have one books. driving factor, and I know the ring does that to you. Sure, Gollum sure. was completely consumed by the ring by the time we meet Gollum, but before that, I'm sorry, he was not consumed by the ring when he killed his No, Redport. he was not. He, he was, saw a shiny little was,
3: trinket, and he wanted it. He was a thief, and he was a murderer. Right. Um. That being said, I think you have to... it. If you want to have sympathy for him, you have to believe that there was a possibility of redemption. So I don't think you think that possibility was there. I don't, not and I and I And, I, and, and I we do. see
1: that. We see that throughout. He turns him over to Shiloh.
3: Yes, he does. But yeah. have you watched the, the, the two towers, man? The end of the two towers. He sits there for two minutes debating. Mm-hmm. Does he do it? Does he
1: not? There, he there is far?
2: a hesitation in him.
1: Here's, but here's the thing. There's a hesitation in him, but Smeagol... Killed his friend For mm-hmm. the ring They both would have Come around and said Both those little sides Of the coin of Gollum Would have come and said Yeah we'll do this yeah, I mean, I'd I'd mean to, inevitably, I don't inevitably, debate that I think that's true Inevitably, yeah. inevitably I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that Smeagol would have been I think Smeagol would be like, Yeah we need the ring I, need pre- I think well, the song at The precious.
2: the song at the end Of the Two Towers uh, Movie puts it best I can't uh, when that song
1: <laughs> I can stand we'll to that hear song. That woman sing Is that Bjork singing it? Uh, no It's no. Goodness, uh, blank- I, I thought it was Bjork. I, I singing don't know. It, no, she's Italian I, think. I she's Italian. I think I can't remember. I think you are wrong.
2: Uh Emiliana Torini, I believe. That doesn't
1: ah, mean, that doesn't sound yeah. right.
3: Uh, yeah, well, I, think I know I'm
2: right with this one, but for, when in the lyrics say, "We are lost," Gollum from the beginning is lost. There, there may be a chance of redemption, but he. If there is, he chooses against it. He makes the choice. But Frodo sees in Gollum what he can become if he does not choose what do you think of I to it? be I agree the better that. man. Yeah. No, I
1: agree with that. I agree that Frodo sees what he could become. And I mean, I think yeah. that's said pretty blatantly that, you know, there, but by the grace of the elves go I, I guess, is mm-hmm. is basically Frodo's point. and And I get that. I And mm-hmm. I get that Frodo has some type of empathy for gollum not realizing where gollum came from but me as a reader with that third person omniscient narrator going on (laughs) no sir none whatsoever
2: when when i read the books my feelings towards gollum ranged from disgust to hatred and then in the end somewhat to pity because i saw in him again if you make that choice to become that kind of a person you live with that choice and it destroys you. Yeah.
1: Well, Mo- movie golem, movie golem, I have pity for book golem. Okay. I do not. I do not. That's a, that's okay. an interesting point because interesting. I
3: think in some ways they do a better job. Uh, not a better job. Peter Jackson wanted a more redemption. He wanted to really push that exactly. more yeah. that's to where he Peter could,
1: Jackson's take on what he read, which is probably similar is to our my, take when which we. Is what right. my was, but I well, think about are it this so way: sweet and nice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well. I I like to think about it this way. Let me tell you guys what movies are horrible Harry
1: Potter, (laughs) Blaine? (laughs) What <laughs> he's like giving a mic. He's over here just chomping at the bit. He keeps easing up on the rolling on to the table. Like there's an ottoman in my living room, and Blade has moved from the recliner that we've told you about to the ottoman, and the ottoman has slowly rolled up. And when we said Lord of the Rings, he's like, I'm at the table now. Someone give me a microphone. I can really use a microphone. Is wow. there another microphone in that? Go get the mic, Blaine. Come okay. on in. <laughs> Lord of the Rings time. If we're going Here's... to talk Lord of the Rings, well, I'll let you on for three minutes. You're about to get the greatest wish of your life. <laughs> he just pumped his fist as he walked through the door. He just did a fist pump. <laughs> Blaine, get a fist pump. He's so excited to be out of the hell out. Oh, my goodness. He's more excited. He's as excited as Luke was when he blew up the Death Star. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my
4: okay.
1: God. Um, so bring that other chord. I was wrong about that court being faulty. Uh, one uh, one, wait, one wait.
2: character that I never had as much sympathy for to some degree was Frodo. A lot of people really empathize with Frodo, and I do like the character. I do empathize with him to some degree, but I never liked Frodo as much as I liked Sam or Aragorn or Gandalf or Aowen or many, many other characters. Why,
1: why did you not sympathize with Frodo at all?
2: I mean, he had this
1: thing thrust upon him.
2: He did have it thrust upon him, but he seemed to be thinking often of his own fate, whereas everybody else was thinking more of the fate of the world. You know, and if, if it's a, so be it if I die by engaging the witch king in a duel. And Frodo... Frodo sees where Gollum is going and it terrifies him as it would terrify anybody. But that th- thought also consumes him. The ring is slowly consuming Frodo. And I guess as I saw the ring's influence on Frodo, I liked him less as the books and as the movie.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome on. to uh, to Geek Out Loud uh, Blaine May. Blaine? Hey, I, it's sort of a dream of mine.
0: <laughs> I did it. I, it was it wasn't it wasn't a full you know fist bump, but I, I did a little, mm, a little, just a little bit. Yeah, so it, just a little bit. I mean, I mean, how, how long have you been doing this? And
1: uh, two, what did we say today? What did I said to you guys today, two thousand. I want to say you said it was two thousand eight, October two thousand seven. Yeah, so
0: since then, wanted so to come on, so, but no.
4: Wow.
0: Um, finally.
1: Yeah, but let's be honest. You were like middle school back then. <laughs> True.
2: He's grinning. So, I mean, he's got this he's grin on his face. He's so yeah. happy
1: right now. Um, oh, but
3: uh, Briefly, kind of jumping, jumping back real quick. I think, Steve, I want to pose. Wars? No, no, not oh. that part. <laughs> no. Uh I want to pose this to you. I think when you're talking about Gollum, the pity comes not from a sense that he's redeemable. I think he's not. Right. I think when you're lo- looking at the character, you'll, you have to look at there's evil in the world but gollum isn't the evil. He's so the you're victim saying of it.
1: you're saying he's a victim
3: of it. Yes,
1: he's completely given himself over to it though. Yes, yes. And and it, he has chosen I, I
0: I mean I I have to sort of agree with Bethany that I, Gollum's a little more pitiful than Frodo cuz I mean you got to remember if it wasn't for Gollum Frodo would have taken the ring. Now, the don't, ring be afraid, would, don't be afraid.
1: Don't be afraid to talk to the mic. The ring
0: like, would not have been destroyed if it wasn't for Gollum. Frodo decided to take the ring, to not destroy well,
1: it. I, okay, I totally agree with that. And 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 to me, more than a Gollum thing, that ends up being a Tolkien's take on fate kind of thing. Sure, you know what I'm saying or destiny mm-hmm. that yeah. that was going to be done and that evil was going to have its day. Yeah. Um, and and again, I want to go back to. You I'll take said, right okay. oh, you'll take that <laughs> where you said more than any of them, Sam. Yeah. You know, I agree. I don't think if you come away from those movies, not loving Sam, you there have There is something wrong with Can you. Can I know. get an amen <laughs> pinky? Amen. Yes. Yeah, amen. I mean, listen, I told you guys about it today. from the moment it, my friends that never read the book from the moment he runs out at the end even before, but when he runs out to that boat at the end, not being able to swim, mm-hmm. and, and oh. Frodo pulls him up, and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. Don't you leave and him, him Sam it. do not you, you? Yeah, don't you yeah. leave him Samwise? And, and, and I don't mean to. Oh. And yeah. then, from that to, you know, there's stuff in Two Towers, where it's just those two, you know, roaming and, and the stuff they go through, to so that moment, I mean, that climactic moment of friendship to me, where oh, is yes. I can't carry it, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. Yeah. And like, he puts, Fro- oh my gosh, like there's nothing to That me-
2: scene nearly had me crying. Oh, it, it did, did have me honest. crying. I don't
1: know what your problem is, you <laughs> heartless thing. The music itself still gets me yes. a little teary eyed. Oh, Blaine, a <laughs> to emotions on the geek out I'm well. sorry, Lord of the
0: Rings makes me teary more than pretty, almost anything else.
1: Okay. All right. I, I agree with you there. It was, I mean, but- it was, uh, that was a powerful, powerful moment. Now, I gotta be honest with you, it freaked me out a little bit at the end when they were mm-hmm. all happy and jumping in bed. I was like, That's kinda weird. We could have done a different type of celebration <laughs> scene. But um but no, I i just my point was is I've just never felt for Gollum at all. I've never had any yeah. sympathy for him.
2: I guess even Boromir, even though he gave in to the temptation of the ring, in the end he sacrificed himself. Exactly. And that was something that neither Gollum nor Frodo to some degree did.
1: We did a series of Bible studies based on, or with, not based on Lord of the Rings because that's not the Bible, but with Lord <laughs> of the Rings as a backdrop, and I talked about Boromir, and and used him with the idea of it's not how you start, it's how, how you, you finish. finish, yeah, and you know almost a similar thing to the Vader redemption, only sure. not so he did not fall so far. He just knew that, you know, Boromir realized I can't, you know, I we could take this, it could be powerful, we could do it. And then but then in the end for him to die for the halflings and to look yeah. at Aragorn and say I would have fought with you to, the, you know, I would have I would have gone with you into the fires of Mordor, you know. Yeah. I would have I would have done this. I would, you're my captain, you're my king. You know, the, it's not how you, it, he died a hero, he died a noble noble man. And I think mm-hmm. that that is is key to who he is, not how he started, but how he finished. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between someone like Boromir, who did give into temptation with the ring,
3: and the difference between him and Gollum. Because Gollum, is, as the creature he is, I think almost finds excuses uh, and, and gives up, keeps on giving yes. up. And, uh, and as, as humans, I think we can sometimes identify with that where you have one failure... Uh, spiritual or otherwise, and you just you know, you know feel like, well, that's an excuse to keep going down the path. That's true. But it, one
1: bad decision does lead to another, does because you yeah. just find it so much easier just to go that way. And
3: once you've made that bad decision, it's that much harder to say no, I'm not going to once do that. Once
2: you're this. going down that dark path well, that you can't it is because, follow.
1: Because the good, the right choice to get you set back requires a lot of times certain sacrifice, or, or just some type of of effort that just seems almost insurmountable. It's like we were talking today, we we were talking about finances a little bit today, Mm -hmm. you know, and and how Mm -hmm. if you get in a situation where you've gone down, 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 and you've been irresponsible, irresponsible with finances, and you've not learned to manage money, that one of the hardest things to do is to start to give things up, that you have kind of allowed yourself to get yourself under control. You have to live like no one else so that you can live like Like no no one else. Thank you, Dave Ramsey. Thank you, thank you, Dave Ramsey. Um so yeah but uh anyhow so where are we at Gollum I hate him.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think we've well established that but I, I, I got to ask you
1: Steve does that kind of
3: the, the frame of reference of talking about the way Tolkien uh, portrays evil and its effect because you have a creature who chose evil and it's about choices. Um ultimately Gollum chooses to be the despicable creature he mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. Um yeah.
2: Well, and and I I realize that the Lord of the Rings is definitely not a direct allegory for the Bible, but a biblical...
0: Tolkien hated hated direct allegory. He said it himself. But there
2: is a biblical concept that once you have gone far enough down an evil path, then you are, semi-quote, handed over to yourself. Basically, you have made that decision. You've gone...
1: For the destruction of the body that the soul might be saved, or just... I mean, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. You're right. Mm-hmm. Sin the if we want to talk in spiritual biblical terms, sin the end result of sin is death, and 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 it is a consuming death. It's not a quick death. It's not a painless death. It is a mm-hmm. it is a consuming thing that that just rots away and eats away and tears away at a person. And that's what happens. And I though Tolkien, you're right, Blaine. Despised allegory. Hey, Hell um, yeah! This if, is
0: recording, right? So I mean, we have that on record for that ever now. You're right. That you said yeah. I'm right. Actually.
1: Well, he <laughs> says it. He says it in his forward. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah, he, he says it in his forward. You know, that this is not allegory. This is not direct allegory, and and so, but you cannot get away from it. Bleeds through. Yeah, right? yeah definitely. Yeah. His experiences bleed through, oh, and yeah. his and his beliefs bleed through, and and so there's definitely. Uh, the Christian themes that can be taken from from what's being done. Not necessar- it's yeah. not, like I say, it's not a C.S. Lewis direct allegory, but it's there, and you're right. I think mm-hmm. that the choice to, to choose evil that Gollum goes after is there. And I um, want to go back um, to what you said about Frodo, though.
2: But but not only On that, flip- Gollum, go Gollum chooses uh, Gollum chooses to do wrong multiple times. He's given multiple chances. Boromir... Chose wrong in that ins- instance, fell into temptation, Gollum framed Sam, and
1: then came and that out. Ticks me off.
2: Oh yeah.
0: On Be- the other <laughs> hand, though, I mean, Gandalf says it. There are other forces in this at work in this world other than mm-hmm. good and evil. All everything that Gollum chose led to Frodo and Gollum being at Mount Doom at the same time, and Frodo choosing to take the ring and Gollum wanting it back. Which ultimately destroys the ring. But not, and, and so you're touching
2: back on destiny slash fate. Yeah, here? I mean,
0: I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Tolkien had this whole overarching idea of fate and how every little choice
4: mm-hmm.
0: works. I mean, if you want to take it to a biblical allegory, all this, all these little things, even though they were wrong in the moment, ultimately led to the greater good. Ultimately led to the ring being destroyed. So there's
1: some unseen intelligent force driving these things. Yeah, I mean, I mean Tolkien himself.
0: I, and I'm blanking on the name, but there is in in Tolkien's work. It it's not really mentioned Lord of the Rings much, but in I think it's I know it's mentioned Silmarillion. Yes, that uh, that there is basically an all powerful God Bethany, almost. Reach of, up mm-hmm. behind you there. Of Lord of and the and Ring, grab of the Uh
3: oh, breaking it out.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll bust out some... We're going is it, deep is it into some a- Tolkien a- now. A- yeah, a- a- uh, it's e- They use multiple names, it's just, yeah. It's right there next to the Lord of the Rings. If, if I'm the, remembering the, the, the correctly, it's Arya, but I'm Aria, not okay, positive.
0: Uh, um, I mean, and, and that being, according to Tolkien, Would was like the actual... you reading from the Silmarillion Force? <laughs> was the actual... Uh, it's right at the beginning, actually. Being, being, being responsible well. for Gandalf coming back as Gandalf the White. Yeah, and that was that being's... Arya. Yeah, but even
2: if you're going... Philosophy based on the Silmarillion. Even if you're saying this is similar to a biblical allegory, uh, when Judas no, betrayed Jesus Christ, yes, that was going to happen. Jesus, at this point in the Bible, uh, is going to die. Is going mm-hmm. to die for the sins of others. That does not lessen Judas's responsibility oh, no, no, no. in I the mean, matter. I, I agree sure. with
1: that. And All I'll- right, real quick, guys. We're reading okay. from Tolkien's uh, The Silmarillion. <clears throat> I was wrong. It's not what I said. It's not art. In the beginning, Eru, the mm-hmm. one who in the Elvish tongue is named Aluvatar, made the anor of his thought, and they made great music before him. Okay. That is, a, that is the first sentence of the Valaquenta, mm-hmm. the account of Valar and Maiar, according to the Lord of the Eldar from <laughs> the Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien.
2: I need to reread this again.
1: Oh, I, oh, I do it, it reads, the Silmarillion, if you've not read the Silmarillion, it really does read like the Bible um, in the way that it's, it doesn't jump around chronologically the way some stuff in the Bible does. But it's very much, it, there's some, thank you, there's some stuff that just doesn't necessarily get expounded upon the way that yeah. Tolkien, Tolkien would spend three pages describing a plate in the Lord <laughs> yes. of the Rings, you know, but here it's just kind of like boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say "ao."
2: Everything has been A-O. created. <laughs> Everything has been created in two sentences. Yeah, You're like wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and I
1: mean, well, I mean, in that, in that, that mirror scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth.
3: Yeah, and you I know? wonder. I wonder. If this, this, I'm I'm by no means a scholar of Lewis or Tolkien, but I wonder who wrote "The Magician's Nephew." Uh, and who wrote the similar which which order which came in cuz they both speak of the creation of a world bursting forth from um, song the, i'm
1: pretty know sure that the magician's, magician's, magician's nephew, nephew was after the rest of the chronicles of narnia wasn't it yes know, no, it the was the like Do you fourth, know it was like fourth, fourth i think fourth okay. in publishing order mm-hmm. yeah but uh yeah
0: I, but I, it, I it does start i want to say magician's nephew was first but don't i mean but
1: i mean tolkien had yeah this tons is stuff tons of, tolkien i have to believe that tolkien tons of had notes this in like years like sitting in Sitting in the trenches of World War I, like, yeah. oh, okay.
3: The well, kind okay. Of, even Lucas has on. you know, has these has scripts the that we, we yeah. have no idea how, how old some of those notes go. But <laughs> side, side story, my dad, uh, amazing fellow, told me a story when I was probably <clears throat> about 14, uh, when I was first getting into Star he Wars. He would often
2: tell us stories, by the <laughs> way. And
3: by I mean story, I Great mean the like capital S story. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, was, he said, well, in the beginning... This is somewhat culturally insensitive. All right, I'm gonna to have to rephrase a couple things here. Um,
1: <laughs> wow, but, uh, wow! Not since the days of my big slip up on the Big Honkin' Show have we gone that way. No,
3: he he said, and and uh, and and George Lucas was at the uh, was at the basement of film school in San Francisco, and 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 and, and thus was the grand idea of star wars born to him which magically came forth from an ancient ibm computer and i believed every word <laughs> i was like you mean this is some
1: kind of greatly he it inspired like work. yes, he yes. Like, like the computer told him in the blind um anyhow but I, how did we get off on Tolkien? Uh, we were talking
2: about Gollum. Gollum. we got yeah. we started okay. with
1: Gollum, but man i i mean
3: tolkien just in general terms really graphs i think even better in some ways than Star Wars. some of those really core issues of choice, right and wrong. Very I, simple, I, good. I'll and evil. agree with
1: that. It's also a different time. Sure. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I think I think that Star Wars was a was a uh was a mythology for its time. Sure. And and is for its time. The thing about Tolkien is is just how is it Tolkien? Is that how you're supposed to Tol- say it? Yes. Tolkien. Yeah. Tolkien. Yes. Tolkien. Um, the thing about him in, in his works is just how much they've been adapted by everyone into different art. Like, you know, Zeppelin mm-hmm. has so many references mm-hmm. to this sure. stuff yeah. in their music. Um, different, it almost became, I don't know, it's, to me, if you get back to the pure work, of his writings. There's just something more special about it than even now listen and understand something. I want you to hear what I'm about to say before I make the statement I'm about to make. I love Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. I love what he did with Lord of the Rings. But to me, when you get back to the pure written word of it all, there's something that's so much greater there than even what you'll find.
0: I mean, I I don't, I don't think it's possible
1: to, to do a
0: close enough, Adaptation. Film
1: adaptation. Well, I'm just saying, it seems like everything waters down what Tolkien's doing. Even, even when you make references to it in music and stuff. And listen, I love Led Zeppelin. Love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you start talking about what Tolkien did with, with The Lord of the Rings... The riding... <laughs> uh, uh,
2: <laughs>
1: in the darkest
2: is depths my... of of Mordor. Well, I met yeah. a
1: girl so fair. Yeah.
2: Well, and I, I really like what you're saying, Steve, because this was my... Huge disagreement with a lot of the more critical reviews of the Hobbit wow. movie because they they picked it apart for a number of things some reviewers did, but the ones that I'm specifically pointing towards would pick apart the story as if, well, they're doing this in the Hobbit to play into what was done in the Two Towers movie at this time stamp. and I and I'm thinking. You haven't read any of this material that Peter <laughs> yeah. Jackson is pulling from. You have no earthly clue what you're talking about. Go uh, read.
1: Yeah, the if appendices. If you want to criticize the film, that's fine. But it, yes. if you want, but, but do please, it knowing what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: knowing the source material before. you. Well, and yes. that's and
1: that's the thing when I when I first came to Blaine and he's like, so what did you think of the Hobbit? And I said, well, you know, I I liked it. And this, is, I guess, it's I mean, something that I, hadn't really been thrown out on Geek Out Loud so far. Yeah, so far. So, I, so I'll I, say this.
0: Still loved it. I mean, I liked in it. All, yeah, I liked
1: it. it. I just feel like they should have done a straight adaptation of just The Hobbit and not worried mm. about the appendices to Lord of the Rings, not worried about the extra material that's there that that kind of leads into all Lord. Because to yeah. me, when I first read, the, I read The Hobbit first, mm-hmm. and then I read The Lord of the Rings. And when I first read these books, one of the great discoveries for me in reading Lord of the Rings was, oh my gosh, there was so much more going on than just little Bilbo yes. back And, it, and oh, it's yes. not that I necessarily, and here's the thing, because I'm a Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that I wanted to see all that because when I read Lord of the Rings, I understand we were still just with uh, Star Wars Empire and Return of the Jedi. There had been mm-hmm. no talk of anything new. And so I really was happy with the unfilled in things, but when you get the appendices and stuff, I'm like, okay, all right, okay, you know, and, and trying to mm-hmm. string theory it all together. I feel like what it does is it waters down Bilbo's actual adventure by having all this other stuff there. See. you know, I mean, it, I wonder if I'm
0: tainted by that a little bit, because I, I saw Fellowship first, mm-hmm. read all three of the Lord of the Rings books in that thing, saw Two Towers, saw Return of the King, then went back and read The Hobbit. See, so I mean, uh, I wonder because I was okay. expecting yeah, that sure. That is long.
2: possible then, yeah. I'll, I'll
3: step in because I have the same experience you did, Steve. I read mm-hmm. The Hobbit, then Lord of the Rings, then saw the films, uh, and then saw The Hobbit, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I don't think it nearly captured what the magic of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but I think it had some incredibly strong points. Mm-hmm. And I think they're specifically with the story of Thorin, who's almost the main character, which is, you know, again, that not exactly and what it see, was. And, and
1: that I guess that bothers me a little bit. Yeah, but... Uh,
3: You know, just looking, approaching the film for itself, I think Thorin is a character that is, in some ways, deserves the uh, attention he got, and knowing the appendices, the backstory, knowing the battle he fought against Azog, that was fantastic. The point where I think that threw me off, it didn't mean I didn't enjoy the film, loved the film, I didn't just like it, I loved it, but... Ah, uh, the point that I I, I kind of threw me off was where Azog was brought as a villain for the film, as to pose direct threat to the characters, and that's a very typical cinematic trope, if you will, yeah. that you have yeah. to have some kind of immediate present danger to your characters. And it led to a great finale at the end because it would have been just kind of, oh, we're on the trail, we're on the trail, we're out of the Goblin King, we're on the trail, we're done. And well, so they wanted that kind of climactic, the eagles come in. Sure. And so instead of just having random wargs, they wanted like the evil villain that they could not yeah, Basically have raise the stakes.
1: Yeah, but you know, my thing is, it's like at the end of the day, <clears throat> and I hate to boil it down this because mm-hmm. I, I do not like the fact that he boils it down to this. Kevin Smith has said, Here's the first book of Lord of the Rings and he just walks across the stage. Here's the second book and he walks across the stage. Here's the third book and he walks across the stage, stops, fake pulls a ring off his finger, drops it, and walks back. And I'm like, if you yeah. wanna if you wanna boil it down to its very base, because I mean you forget the story of journey. Yeah. yeah, yeah it is, I mean it it it's is, all about the and journey. So and so and what happens when you do that, you end up spending time with the characters. Yes. And people love character development. I love character But I'm saying that, like, my thing is with The Hobbit, I loved Bilbo so much mm-hmm. when I read The Hobbit. I just yes. loved the reluctant adventurer in him and, and what he ends up going through. And the fact that, that this changed him so much that by the time we see him again on his 111th birthday, <laughs> that he is longing for the road. He is longing to set out one more time for one one great, some type of adventure. And and I just, I love that about Bilbo because it reminds, maybe it's because it reminds me a little bit of myself. I, Hobbits remind me of me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, they're Hairy, feet, yeah. fat. <laughs> what I do love about the story is the characters. But something that <laughs> interesting the characters not
2: just developing the writing, but developing the history of ages gone past in The Lord of the Rings and in The Hobbit. And in The Hobbit, you get the sense that it's there somewhere. You get the sense that I'm seeing things from this very innocent hobbit's eyes mm-hmm. and I know there's more going on. Gandalf didn't just ride out of this quest for, oh, I'm going to go pick some well, daffodils, can, guy. Can we talk, and can come, we come talk right about, back.
1: Can we talk about the fact that Gandalf does that like every time? <laughs> Every single book that Gandalf's in, <laughs> and at some point yes. he's leaving for you know six months at the worst you know, time. Yeah, at yeah, yeah, yeah. the worst time when they really Meet need me him and Brie. Yeah, really. <laughs> really, yeah, when they really Gandalf. When they really need him, he's either hip deep in books or stranded <laughs> up on top of or Think Tower. Yeah. So. Yes. But
2: what what my hope is for the Hobbit films and for the future of Tolkien's stories on the big screen is. When they're pulling from this history, that they are able to make it into a character story and not just this is a chronicle of the adventures of thus and such during the time of this age. Because I don't want it to read like a history book or to feel like a documentary, if that makes sense. But if oh, they pull... I,
0: I wonder, because I, I I mean, Tolkien has sort of said that, that he looked at Lord of the Rings and uh, all of Middle Earth as mm. almost a real English... Mythology, because and that's what I
2: mean by the weight of the history that's behind it. That people who have only seen the movies have no concept of.
1: Let me say this: I would love, love, to see someone do um, not a documentary about Tolkien and about what Middle Earth was and everything, Mm -hmm. but like a documentary, almost like a historical, for reals, you know. This is the history of middle, kind of like, or if not like Samwise Gamgee, who's now the, the mayor of the Shire, uh, talks to mm-hmm. you know, and he sits down and he's like, Someone who's chronicling, yeah. It. I knew Mr. Frodo, uh, we spent a lot of time together, and yeah. like, he's it's yeah. like a documentary. I would love a documentary version. I mean, history, of the Lord ch- of the Rings, History
0: Channel's done Dragons and Mermaids I don't See Why Middle Earth <laughs> Stretch. I, well, that- I, think,
1: I think that would be. Awesome. That would be a
2: lot of fun, and the Silmarillion really reads like that in places. But that's what I see when people criticize the Hobbit for including the Hobbit movie, I should say, for including other material. Say copyright
1: out loud documentary, Middle Earth documentary. (laughs) (laughs)
2: When, When they criticize the Hobbit movie for including other material and trying to quote stretch it out, which is a common claim that I've seen, is. What they don't realize is, again, there's a history behind this. This is all playing into a much bigger and story I'm, I'm saying, that you don't see from Bilbo's I'm saying, point of view.
1: I, I understand all that, and I knew mm-hmm. that going in. I just didn't want it, you know. But well, okay, want. let's let's okay. fast forward. I'm getting ganged up on here by <laughs> you. Let, let's
0: fast forward another year and a half. Both the next two Hobbit movies are out, and you watch. Now, I mean, I know, admittedly, you know, ten years in between Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, but you watch Hobbit. Those three movies, Lord of the Rings, all the three movies. If they included all that, wouldn't it feel more a more cohesive story?
1: Again, I go back to what I said. As I love the fact that it didn't seem cohesive at Mm. first. That there was Mm -hmm. that suddenly there was a mystery about this ring. Suddenly there was in reading it. Suddenly there was something that had been building and going on behind the scenes. It's like. Yeah, this was never. You go back and you're like, This was never mentioned in The Hobbit. What are you talking about? And I really enjoyed that because yeah. to me, it helped. I, I don't know. Like I say, the Star Wars fan in me loved it.
0: I just I just don't know <laughs> if you can do <laughs> that <laughs> with, with, with Lord of the Rings already having been made. And that's, have, that's made. the real
3: world problem. Yeah. Of the three Lord of the Rings films have already come out. Yeah. And everybody would be like, So where's Orlando Bloom? Well, maybe so this get- is, yeah.
1: Know, and maybe this is. Maybe this is part of the problem with the prequels. A lot of people have a problem with Boba Fett because they didn't want him to be explained. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't like seeing a child, Boba Fett, and his dad being killed. They, you know, they didn't like that at all. Um, Maybe they didn't, you know, they don't like seeing Anakin as a boy because, man, he's too nice as a boy. And so maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's just like, I don't want you filling all these holes. I don't want you filling all the gaps. I want you just to tell the story of them finding the dragon, fighting the dragon, and then whatever else happens in The Hobbit, you know? Yeah. and be done with it.
2: Mm. So, something, the eagles are coming. The eagles just are just coming. a real
0: yeah.
1: nitpicky point, though.
0: No, oh, don't pick nits. <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the Azog thing. Um,
1: I didn't mention that, Yeah, oh, I
0: didn't. I, I don't think it would make sense to a lot of audience if, okay, spoiler alert, killed the dragon, then all of a sudden there's this entire army of goblins and orcs coming to attack. I don't think... I mean, it's explained in the book, and obviously we know what happens, but... Well, you to- could have
3: accomplished that with just the flashback of the ancient wars with mm-hmm. the goblins, and you could have seen Azog kill Thror, which, by the way, never yeah. saw uh, Thror. We saw Thrain, the grand... No, no, we, we did see Thror. May, I, may, am I confusing the names? We it, saw we, the father, never saw the grandfather. No, I, no, I we, we, it, we, saw, we
0: saw both... But instead of uh Thror being the one killed by Azog Which it was one's Thrain. imprisoned right now? Neither in the book. I mean in the movie.
3: But no, I'm, they,
2: they I'm talking had, about
3: like in it.
2: Who is Gandalf, the one that Gandalf, Gandalf got the Gandalf key from? The key. That, that one was that,
0: Thrain. Thrain, okay. Yeah.
2: We saw Thrain,
3: I
0: believe he was mm-hmm. off screen the whole time. No. They they changed it up a little bit in that Thrain was the one beheaded by Azog instead of Thor.
1: So, so who did
2: Gandalf Steve, get well, this the is what key I like from? Call
1: geeking out. Not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yes. sure yet. Oh, yeah, I'm just thinking I was just thinking welcome to geek out loud everybody <laughs> as we as we work out details it, on, it doesn't, on what happened
0: in I, the hobbit. I don't know if they're going to address that or because they the, will. I don't I don't think you ever I don't think we cuz that's out the one thing that's explicitly in the
3: hobbit book where Gandalf tells the story. Yeah, I, I have this key to this map, and guess where I got it? it was the Sorry, necro- your, your yeah. dear old dad's been in prison for a while. Not not the nicest place. In Goliadol. Yeah, Gildor. Yeah. yeah. That one.
0: Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see smog. Small... Uh, <laughs> oh, I know.
3: It is going to be Benedict so... Cumberbatch.
0: Is oh, he yes. Going to yes, he is. The and he is. And oh, yeah. he is also going to be the necromancer. So, uh, Yeah. Which. Wow. Yep. Yep. Yes. yes, that would be Sherlock. Sherlock.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Some off mic conversation there. A.K.A.
1: Con. Yeah.
2: Uh, but I, I don't
0: know about that. But
2: hmm. One quick Star Wars thought that I had oh, earlier. Back, back, <laughs> back to the corner, everybody. Back to the Star Wars corner. Come on, guys. <laughs>
0: Ooh, I'm in the Star Wars corner.
2: <laughs> Do Get you out, think Blink. that one thing <laughs> that people have, all of this old trilogy talk, yes, it's what is media appropriate if you if you want to get good press you want to talk about how the sequel trilogy will be like the ot basically but jj abrams people say that jj abrams took star trek stayed true to what its core was but updated it and in some ways made it better so do you think that people expect that of him to take star wars to be true to the original trilogy and then to make it even better than that. Do you think people are drawing this uh, comparison between the two? I mean, he did it with one famous star franchise. Why not do it it with the other star franchise? Just
0: a quick reaction, but y'all go ahead.
2: No, Blanco. no, no, go go ahead.
1: You spoke up.
0: Star Trek needed that. I don't think Star Wars necessarily does.
2: Yes, but some people think it does. Yeah,
0: I I don't know. Star Trek... Almost everyone was, um, yeah,
1: <laughs> hey, hi, 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 hi. <laughs> Sabrina said it from the couch. Pinky said, Haters gonna hate. I think that I don't, I don't think that I think the news of Abrams for everyone is it's the first time anyone's been <laughs> involved in the huge franchise over here and is coming back to do the huge franchise over here. Mm-hmm. He's not doing the same thing, he was essentially rebooting Star Trek. Now, one of my biggest criticisms. Of Star Trek, about J.J. Abrams and and uh, the guys who wrote it, Robert Orci and and whoever else is there. Um, I one of my biggest criticisms is that they did not go all the way. They there should have not been any spot Prime. There should not have been any hmm. time travel. They should have had a whole different story. Because to me, if you're gonna if it, if you're gonna reboot, reboot,
0: and see, it, I think there would have been revolt had there not been anything. Let there
1: be revolt. Let there be... Role. Give Leonard Nimoy a cameo with someone. Let Leonard Nimoy be on the on the Vulcan Council. Let, because it is so well done. The, the, the Kirk, Spock stuff, everything is so well done. Mm-hmm. Take out the time travel. Take out Spock Prime. Make the threat a little bit different and make them have to resolve their differences in a different way so that it makes sense that they would be friends. Let Kirk figure out that he's got to make Spock emotionally compromised. You know, let Kirk do all this stuff rather than be directed... By by Spock to do it, and and don't I mean, and I cannot stand the fact that Spock's like, here you go, Mister Scott, this is the uh, here's the here's the equation for trans transport, you know, and I'm like, let him figure that out on his own, and that's my thing. I feel like it mm-hmm. was too convenient a thing to be done. Understand this? Love the movie, enjoyed it completely, yeah. but I really did come away feeling like I was hoping that they would not worry about what had come before. And they would have started over. And would there have been revolt? Sure. You know what they would have done? Got over it. <laughs> because I mean that's and that's what you have to do sometimes.
2: I really did like the Spock Prime and that aspect of the storyline. I will admit the thing with Scotty did bother me. But I think that they will move into that with Star Trek into darkness. You will have a more mature Kirk, a Spock and a Kirk who are See, not I'm working with going, each I'm other. I'm worried
1: that I'm worried that Benedict Cunnerbacks is going to end up being con. See, I mean, it. It. I don't know.
0: It, it didn't bother me that much because I just thought, Okay, Star Trek original series <sighs> timeline happened here. This is happening here. So, I mean, mm-hmm. why not let it in? In that particular timeline, let Spock Prime but tell tell Scotty how has, to do it. I
1: feel like that's a cheap way out. I feel like it's a way to oh, just okay. say, "Well, we want to appease everyone and make sure that no one gets upset." Well, the, if you can, my thing is, is, is after seeing the movie, the cast was strong enough. The, the visuals were strong enough, the dialogue was strong enough that, you know, that they, I don't think people would have revolted as much. I think they would have come wanting to and walked away saying, I love that Chris Pine.
2: Yeah. You know? By the way, Star Trek 2009. That is an amazing opening sequence to that movie. Oh, with, with, with Thor yeah. and Kirk
1: being born and everything? Yes, yes. yes
2: that, is, that is a fantastic opening sequence. With Thor captaining
1: the ship. That's cool, by the way. Chris <laughs> Hemsworth. Yeah. Good American plays.
0: accent, too. I, I mean, I didn't...
1: Oh, yeah. I never mm-hmm. knew... I would have never known... Yeah. It was, yeah. Oh, he, even
0: after seeing Thor, it had to be pointed... Or actually, at IMDB or something. I was like, wow, he was in Star Trek? Yeah. No, it didn't even connect well, so much two.
1: more clean cut. Quit looking at your watch. We're going to make you stay up. <laughs> When you have rebooted the franchise, you have my permission to die. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you have, when you have successfully rebooted without time travel, then you have my permission to die. Darth Vader breathing. Darth Vader breathing. <laughs> then it'd be nice. <laughs> what did you have for breakfast? Um. <laughs> the, uh, seriously. Um. All right. We we have talked. Lord of the Rings. We have talked Star Wars. We have, um, we have even talked Star, Star Trek, Star Trek. We have, oh, on Geek Out what,
0: Loud. What?
1: It, <laughs> this man. may have been the
0: longest Star Trek conversation on Bla- Geek Out Loud so far. Blame Blame. I
3: had a
1: moment.
0: <laughs> I do blame. I'm Blaine. never going to be allowed that never Great. again.
1: Never again. I do. I do have something I need to bring up. It's not quite a snippet, mm-hmm. but it'll lead into what we need to talk about over the next, you know, 15 minutes from wrap up. Um, I had a life. Altering moment today mm-hmm. um, As we were watching As you guys were watching Toy Story For the first time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's as the opening credits were rolling And Joss Whedon uh, Had top billing on that screenplay credit He did I have I have been Critical of Joss Whedon on this show I have uh, I have basically Written him off as uh, being Someone that I enjoy the work of I have been nice to him though. I have been nice in my criticisms uh, on this show. I I've I love the Avengers. And I even said on the last episode, I said, Whedon is doing the Avengers. I think he's doing a great job over there with what Marvel's giving him to do, and I think he should stick with that. Mm-hmm. Having said that, when I saw that because I love, 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 love Toy Story. And when I saw that credit come up, I was I did not know how to feel. I never realized that Whedon. Mm-hmm. had done that screenplay. Um, having said that, I didn't know how to feel that you guys have never seen Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> no. what?
2: By the way, awesome day in which we got to see both Toy Story and the first Indiana Jones movies for the first time.
1: I cannot me believe you guys did not watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. And this is a, this has been
3: a thing for a while. So, yes. As you can imagine, Steve. This, we we this, have been Where's your napkin? T- <laughs> I, I don't have it with me in my pocket, but no, I, we carried... I guess I'll have to fess up now. We carried what I call the napkin of shame as one '80s movie
1: after another was asked, "Had we seen?" And we had not. And I mean, not I, not just '80s movies. Like I could mention an '80s movie that I don't expect you guys to have seen. Sure. Mm-hmm. But these are things like a the Indiana Jones movies you guys have yeah. never seen. You know mm-hmm. th- that series. you That's You've probably never... the most
3: prominent one that our listeners have.
1: Time out. To
3: back, to back to the to future. future. <laughs> uh, Dur- during this
2: deep. Dairy Queen discussion. There were so many movies that came up. Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, all of the Toy Story movies. (laughs) Jurassic Park. Yep. Yeah.
1: Uh, Bethany's not seen Independence Day. Goonies. Goonies. (laughs) Uh, Gremlins. Gremlins and Gremlins 2.
0: Which I have to admit, I have not seen Gremlins 2.
1: Oh, my Lanta. You're (laughs) missing out on such a fun time. John Glover. Uh, Not John Glover. Oh, my Lanta. Um. Yeah, John Glover. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Lionel. Lionel then, yeah. yeah, Lionel's mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, he's in Gremlins too. Um. Yeah. So we're going. And so when I heard Indiana Jones, and it's because of your Star Wars fandom, sure, that I knew you had to see it because there's something about the Indiana Jones franchise, and I. It's not just Harrison Ford. No. It mm-hmm. is. It is. There's some kind of feel to it. It's the Lucasfilm feel. It's a sense of oh, adventure yeah. that links mm-hmm. Star Wars fans and Indiana Jones fans almost inseparably. Yeah, and uh, you guys have not seen any of the original Superman movies. No. Have you seen no. Superman
2: Returns? No. Wow.
1: Two thousand five. Yes. Yes, I have. Six. Two thousand six.
2: Six. Okay. <laughs> you have. <laughs>
1: okay. I don't. I mean, is that right?
4: Two thousand six.
1: And I think this. No, is, I
3: want to
0: say yeah. yes
1: yeah. It's more than
3: more than the disappointment and shame I am feeling right now. <laughs> Uh, I think it's almost an interesting cultural study because, as our listeners, Star Wars Report know, have you are seen any of the original Bat- the Batman movies from yes. like
2: '89 and yes. no?
3: Okay. Oh, you're off my show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, wow. No, it's, no, it's
3: it's. I think it's almost more of an interesting cultural study because, as our listeners know. Um, to the Star Wars Report, geek out loud listeners may or may not know, uh, we grew up overseas, um, at, where movies were not out throughout the early '90s to early 2000s. So, Jurassic, like the Toy Story, Jurassic Park, we just
1: missed Jurassic Park. No. What?
2: What? What about it? You ever seen it? Nope. No.
1: No. Free Willy movies. The Free Willy movies. Yeah, I
3: believe so. I saw the first one
0: years ago. I haven't seen those. No. Nope. Okay. you You're. But, you're th- okay. No, I don't. No, I may have seen like one of the sequels. Free Willy but. was the whale. No, no I, I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but
3: I think for Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's something that it, growing up overseas. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark would not have been the kind of film we would watch as kids. So as we, we grew up into teenagehood... Ernest goes then, to camp.
1: <laughs> can't I, win. You just can't win now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> no. I, okay. No. Uh,
4: for, for, proceed. I'm, for, I'm for, listen, yeah, listen. for everyone
0: not here, Steve is like leaning over looking into his DVDs. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, yeah, trying, just trying to get find DVD another code. one. Um, but,
2: but, but, hey, hey. Riley has not seen The X-Men movies And I have That's true so They've not we're seen that The
3: X-Men there. franchise uh, That is true um, It's the kind of film That There's a There's a swath Of pop culture That Bethany and I Are sure You're listening <laughs> I am <I'm> totally <laughs> Totes Totes listening am The I listeners heard you That want you, you were off the mic By
4: the
1: way no, right. <laughs> I'm totally listening <laughs> 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 Hey no, go i the totally i I'm Tell you, you tell- Have you guys seen The Princess Bride? Yes, okay, yes. many right. times. Okay, many times. Yes. Favorite film, but favorite the re- film? a no, favorite, no.
3: Film.
2: favorite film. I, I told you, <laughs> Riley was romantic. romantic. I told you this one is romantic. Oh, boy. Um, but it's the... It's, and
1: Ladies, he's Bethany. single. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
3: <laughs> um, don't advertise. Uh, <laughs>
1: oh. Pinky said don't advertise. <laughs> oh, I, I swear I'll get through this point at some point. Somehow. Uh, you grew up overseas, and basically yes. you didn't have access to the things we got here in the United States.
3: And this was a time...
1: I said it a lot more succinctly than you did. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't saying,
2: uh, though, have in seen his this? Defense, he's been interrupted seen... about eight times now.
1: <laughs> oh, now I've got the brother-sister duo against me. Uh, Go ahead. Um,
3: but in, in our generation, I think Missile has missed a lot of these superhero films and a lot of these pop cultural films from the 80s and 90s that informed the Marvel movies today. So you have uh, people of our generation and younger who are loving these Marvel films, haven't <coughs> ever read a Marvel comic in their life, haven't seen the original Superman films, haven't seen Indiana Jones. And that's where I, it's something that's always been on the, the docket to watch. Uh, our listeners have certainly gone on to us many times. Uh, put it up on the, the Twitter and Facebook. A lot of comments, Steve. Yeah. yeah, a, lot of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of comments. And then a lot of ones are people who still don't know. But yes, it's, it's out there. We have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. What did you guys think? You Loved think? it. Steve, I'll tell you this. I, I, I mentioned it after we watched it, but in, in the first 15 minutes of the film... He, <laughs> I was sitting there thinking to myself, how is it possible that a film, and this, this shows my prejudice, a film of it, of this time period be so fast-paced and so engaging of a, yeah. of a movie? I,
1: I love the fact it's that... It's amazing. That, uh, By the way, love the film. People, Just, everyone wow. that listens to Geek Out Loud has watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, and if you haven't, stop this and watch it. The fact that the first time we see the map come up with the lines... You looked over at me and you're like, "This is a great movie." Yeah, and I mean, like you just said it out. You're like, "This seems like a good time to stop." I can speak up. This is a great movie, guys. I just want everyone to know, great movie right here that we're watching. And I was like, "Yeah, it is." Are you being sarcastic? You're like, no, no. Nope. And I, uh, and so it really. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm interested for you to see Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, because mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm stained because I hear everyone talk about these films so mm-hmm. much like yeah. well that's the one that sucks right that's the, that's the horrible one that no, everyone says
1: I, I disagree Temple of Doom does not
3: suck Yeah, uh, but, but it's what, definitely what different this is someone who's never mm-hmm. seen it just what sure. I hear people
1: regurgitating
0: it's, all the time. Just, of Doom, just just of out Doom out of is a lot curiosity, different curiosity Steve how would you rank them
1: how do I rank them yeah, as, far as, as far, far as your favorites favorites <laughs> um
2: you're going yeah, to influence our impressionable minds now. Yeah, influence
1: our impressionable minds. <laughs> I think Raiders is number one for me. I really mm-hmm. do. I love Raiders a lot. I, th- I think it's number one. I think number two for me is The Last Crusade. That's, yeah, that's And it's no, a close, close. I mean, it's right up there with, yeah, it's, it's right up there with it for me. Um, number three being Temple of Doom and number four, uh, Crystal Skull. Um, mm-hmm. Which is not to say I did not like Crystal Skull. Everyone knows how I felt about the crystal, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Quit looking at your watch, man. Um, no, no, I, I'm not looking at the time. I'm, I'm, I'm realizing
3: something just occurred to me. That I actually, I was responsible, Steve, and I took a couple notes on Raiders. Right. And I realized that it's literally two hours, and I didn't even look at them. i just been <laughs> scribbling Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. <laughs>
1: um, the, uh, yeah, but yeah, those, that'd be my order. Temple of Doom is very... It's dark. It is a mm-hmm. darker movie than Raiders is. Um, but there's some great moments. There's some great callbacks. You've got uh, Short Round, uh, in the, which is his little side... And he has a little sidekick, a little kid sidekick. Um, and, then, and then, gosh, Last Crusade is just... Last Crusade is just great. I mean, there's there's no getting around it. Last Crusade is just so good. The last... And I don't want to spoil it. The last... Set
0: piece, I guess the the place where they go last that last what thirty ish minutes of the mm-hmm. film is some of my favorite non Star Wars.
1: The penitent bit. man shall pass and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah.
0: music, I mean. Oh, yeah, I yeah, definitely.
1: Oh, you talking about the music? Yeah. the music? Yeah,
3: yeah. it's a it's a different. That's the Connery one, correct? The yeah, 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 with Sean Connery.
1: Yeah, Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, Sean Connery. Uh, Junior, I told you never call me that, Dad. <laughs> we named the dog Indiana. Um, it is. It's a it's a great flick. Um, is is Last Crusade? But so Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, what what you got there? What notes you got? Well, I I one of our favorite things that we would watch when we
3: were overseas in the we'll Dark sni- Ages. We'll snippet it. We'll snippet. Um. Old World War Two films. Okay, love those. Yeah. Grew up yeah. watching a lot of them, uh, mm-hmm. which, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting that we became Star Wars fans much later in life, and uh, that's a lot of what. Touche. Yeah, them. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I the seeing a World War Two set piece in the nineteen eighties, I wasn't I, I mean, I I guess I was vaguely aware that there was a Nazi presence because everyone knows that they all die because of the evil angels. I mean that's kind of this <laughs> yeah. is like the Lucas Your Father. There are these there are there's going to be a lot that I already know about these mm-hmm, films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the imagery that I'm already familiar with just because of the Right. Pop cultural permeation. But the betrayal of the Nazis I I thought was um the spiritual as- aspect I did not really expect. And yeah. I thought that added a really interesting uh, twist and made it different than just a
1: shoot 'em up. Yeah, well, yeah, I've heard for years that Hitler used to send people out looking for these occultic items and sure. and you yeah. know religious artifacts, you know, to try to bring him some type of weird spiritual strength. And 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 what I saw was a group who they didn't really care. They were just kind of doing what they were told to do and being where they were told <laughs> to be, you know, and um. But you're right. It, it's it's definitely, and that's the thing. Like that's what Lucas said. He's an archaeologist that he goes after these things, and it always ends up being some kind of mystical or or fantastic situation that he finds himself in.
3: And I think it fits surprisingly well into a film that's about an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. today's trends of these kinds of films is I, I think we live in a pop culture, not necessarily an entire culture, but a pop culture in movie making where it's very popular right now to very scientific about your approach you have the born movies as an example yeah. that's mm-hmm. very yeah. Yeah. procedural scientific uh and and like to give you a headache but uh, but, it, but because <laughs> the of the shake camera, camera hand, work, the yeah, shape, yeah. Shaky,
0: shaky um, get out your motion sickness pills i, st- I still can't oh. i don't think of it. i've made it through a born movie just because of that yeah uh, and that, i love that's
1: the... my one yeah the so most i've heard this boy talk ever in my life yeah <laughs> <laughs> <He's> a... <laughs> It's It's like we we fed Blaine chocolate and sat (laughs) him down behind a microphone or something. (sighs) Um, But I I think
3: that 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 kind of goes back to the aspect of of pacing that I mentioned briefly. But it's nearly flawless in its pacing. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I mean, agreed. And films, I think today, can be a little bit too fast paced if you want it, if you want to make the i'm not sure born's the best comparison i'm trying to run through my head other kind of spy thrillers or
2: i'd say maybe born legacy is yeah a good that comparison. that's a pretty
3: good example um jeremy Renner. have you seen born legacy steve Lawson? i have not i have not what i cannot <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, yeah
0: What what did you? You could sort of tell by the blank, like sort of the blank stare on his face. (laughs) Well, I
1: was no what I was trying to think was was other things like it, and that's the thing is you can't. I mean, there were some knockoffs. They did some Alan Quartermain movies after the success of Raiders the Lost Ark. Never heard of them. Um, They did King Solomon's Mines and Alan Quartermain in the Lost Cities of Gold. Alan Quartermain Mm. is a is a classic uh, character out of literature, pop literature. And um and they did a few movies with him. I've not been able to find those. I used which, to love to rent King Solomon's Mines, and um and uh and I have not been able to find it in years on DVD or anything. So which
0: jumping off that have either of you or any of you seen uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen?
1: Yeah, it's no it yes. Did,
0: like IMDb has horrible ratings for it, but I absolutely loved cause it was it was. I mean my dad was an English teacher, so I grew up reading all the, you know, these old sort of Victorian classics and to see all of them in one film.
1: Do you know why IMDB gives ratings like that? Nope. It, it's because of the source material. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a comic, is a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's done by Alan Moore, the same guy that did Watchmen. And, oh, really? And I um, don't hold me to that. You got loud, audience? Calm down. <laughs> if I'm wrong. Um, if I'm, I'm right, like I sort of knew that,
0: but... but yeah. I mean, as a, as a when did it come out, probably early two thousands. As a you know, ten year old kid. Sure, sure, just... sure. But
1: I'm saying like even and so people really kind of dump on it, yeah, saying that it's not. But I I thought it was a pretty good film. I didn't have a problem with it. But anyhow, mm-hmm. um,
2: what, one thing that surprised me with Indiana Jones is just how much fun it was to watch. If fun has a name, <laughs> it
1: must be <laughs> Indiana Jones.
2: <coughs> yeah, I,
1: it is. It is a it is a fun movie. There's a lot of one of the things that always kind of captures my imagination and, and I think of about it is when they're at the docking station there, uh, with the submarine and he's beat up the one guy and he got his clothes and they're too cold. And the other guy's coming, getting onto him for looking like he does. <laughs> yeah. So he's kind of clean up. Then he just hits him and he does like a kick to his face or something. And the hat kind of pops up and he just grabs it out the air and throws it on. I always love yeah. that moment for some reason. I just <laughs> yeah. always dug it. Um, the, the one-liners that are in this movie when he's when they're getting ready to take off and, uh, and he's going after the truck and Sala's like what are you going to do Indy he's like I don't know I'm making this up as I go along yeah I <laughs> just yeah. it's some great one-liners delivered by Harrison Ford I told you guys it's such me, a very
2: human Egyptian's persona. asps yeah very yeah. dangerous yeah you go
1: first yeah he says asps very dangerous.
2: But there is a fantastic element, the spiritual element. You know, it's adventure, hopping around, swinging from whips, all this stuff. But for some reason, the movie still remains to be very believable. Like, you could feel as if you could find Indiana Jones out there somewhere. You see, he's such a believable character.
1: I think it's because even though they don't get into the science talk of it mm-hmm. all, archaeology is a real science. is a real thing that's done. And we see him teaching it, you know, for a brief moment, and we see this, we, he's dirty, he gets dirty. You know, the, the places he goes are real. They're familiar enough to us that, even if we've never been in places like that, we're, they're familiar enough to us that they're real world, even though this is an otherworldly situation that he's in, so that when you hit that otherworldly stuff, and it's not shoved down your throat the way they do with superhero movies nowadays. With superhero movies, they're trying to shove down your throat that all this real stuff is happening, so you can accept this stuff. Mm-mm. Just give it to us, and if we accept, if we like it, we'll accept it. If we don't, we just won't like you and won't care. Well, yeah, yeah, I
3: happen to be a guy who's in a movie theater watching a superhero movie.
1: Right. I, I don't. You don't. You don't really need to explain. It's like I've accepted. The, it's like with Smallville. I've accepted the premise that this kid fell from the stars, from another planet <laughs> that had blown up, and he has powers and abilities far beyond that immortal man. You don't got to be. You don't have to convince me everything else is in the real world. You know, I don't need a touchstone of reality because I can't believe in this. It's like my friend Jonathan. I've got a good friend that was talking about Amazing Spider Man. He said, "I just don't believe that they crane operators would line up like that for Spider Man." And I'm like, <laughs> "But you believe he got bit by a radioactive spider and now has sure, superpowers, yeah. you know, and that sort of thing."
0: I, I, I did. I did read a thing where they said cranes in, in superhero movies is the new jumping the shark. It's the
1: I disagree with that. I mean, where else have we seen a crane situation? In Can we all agree, agree that
3: saying jumping something is jumping the shark is jumping the shark?
1: Yeah. Or, or, or,
0: or what, is shark it? what is it since Kingdom Crystal Skull? Nuking, nuking the, the fridge. fridge. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: yeah. <sighs> I, I, don't, I don't think... I think that's using jumping the shark the wrong way. Jumping the shark means you're taking things too far. You're taking things over the top. Because that comes from Foz, Foz, uh, Fozzie, not Fozzie, Fonzie on Happy Days, an episode of Happy Days. No Fonzie, the Fonzi. A. <laughs> hey. He was doing a a ski jump, or or something. Maybe a motor, maybe an aquatic motorcycle jump. I don't know. But the point was, is it got dangerous because there was a shark in the water, and he ended up jumping over it on his skis. And everyone's like, well, that's the episode where Happy Days just got way too out there. And really? So now, and now when a, a TV series or something takes things too far, that's why they call it Jumping the Shark. And mm-hmm. so everyone has kind of adapted that. In movies, when they take something too far, yeah. they call it Nuke in the Fridge now after, when I yeah. think after the, of the, the Crystal Skull.
2: Ten, tending towards wanting to have a touchstone for reality or explain everything is in response to the movie watching audience being super critical about things like the crane. I mean don't don't over analyze right. your movies. I think like they're there for entertainment there saying, inspiration. Man, fun. this
3: jump the shark that I mean for me that's kind of like for Jimmy Mack
1: when somebody says, "meh." Meh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just uh, I don't know. Jimmy Mack of Rebel Force Radio, ladies and gentlemen, hates it when people say "meh." He's like yes. He's like, if you don't care about it, they just don't say anything about it at all. And that's, hard. that's how we do on Geek Out Loud. If we sure. don't care about it, we don't really want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. One of the things, I think one of the keys to all the Indiana Jones movies is the fact they're set as, as period pieces. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they're really, because of that, they become timeless. Um, you, you know as you're watching, they're meant to be period pieces rather than rather than something like a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You guys seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Nope. No. Okay. Uh, which is obviously <laughs> made and set in the eighties, you know, and it's never gonna be anything but that. Now I love Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Um, but uh but it's it's one of those things that I just you know, when you watch it, all you're looking at is, oh my gosh, look at those hairstyles, look at that. With this, you don't go to that because it's supposed to be a period piece. It's like the Wedding Singer. Have you seen the Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler? No. Is I, I wanna say I've actually seen it on TV once. Oh, I love it. It's intentionally set in nineteen eighty five. Okay. So you know, so they intentionally are doing. It's like a period piece for the '80s, but it's it's that it's that idea to me. I think it makes it timeless that it's set in the '30s the way it is. Yeah, and it's got such a classy flavor about it. You know, everyone. It's not just Indiana Jones that's in a fedora. Everyone's in fedoras. You know, and <laughs> in the coats and it's just I I totally dig it. Yeah, the callback
3: highlight highlighting moments. The callback to Humphrey Bogart. Mm-hmm. That, as yeah. As a as a huge Bogart fan. 12 when angry that's men. when he's on the plane you're talking yeah, about mm-hmm. yeah yeah and things like casablanca 12 angry men those mm-hmm. classic character uh films Wh- who of was the 40s. bogart
1: in 12 angry men uh no i'm thinking of henry fonda okay thank yeah. uh, you yeah. yeah, that was henry fonda i was going to
3: mm-hmm. say yeah but those films it, it felt like those films right. of the 40s uh
0: and i really like yeah. i really dig that which is i mean <laughs> something i i hope y'all will get to i said y'all again i i'm it's all I, right, hate,
1: Blaine, we're, I I we're hate saying that.
0: Well, yeah, you, need <laughs> you need you'll to stop. Something you you'll get hating. to um is when you get to King Crystal. I loved that it was sort of filmed as if it was 50s. You could tell there was a somewhat different way of filming there it. Is a
1: de- oh, y'all like that? There's a definite <laughs> uh, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah. I think y'all would be interested to see it. There because there's a difference in the style when you get to that because it's set, you know, in the 50s. It's set 20 years Later, and so there is a very much, and you're right. It's filmed in such a way, hmm. and um, and some of the things happen in such a way to make it feel very much like some a movie from the 50s rather than like a movie from the 40s, like like or from the 30s, like these were 30s and 40s. So I think I think it. I, I, yeah, I totally dug that. Go ahead. What else you got there, Riley? We uh, we've
3: run through every note that I took. Minus okay.
1: I just put one word: Harrison Ford. That's two and words. Two. <laughs>
2: You guys are such cynics sometimes. <laughs> such That's cynics. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry
1: to get all literal on your butt here, but...
2: <laughs> no, that, was just, that was just quite I funny mean,
1: to me. I one word. Count your words. Count your words. Anyhow, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is amazing, Riley. You're right. Go ahead. Expound upon that one word, Harrison Ford. Is <laughs> amazing. The end. Don't get off, Don. You're not going to get clammy up and feeling hurt on me.
0: I mean, maybe it's maybe he meant it. Just you know, Chuck Norris. You can't say one. You can't just call him
1: Chuck. No, he'll kick your butt. <laughs> yeah, you better call him Mr. Norris if you know what's good for you. <laughs> I, I, you know who Tom Selleck was originally cast to play that role? No, I did not. And then he got uh, he the conflict with Magnum PI came up, so he couldn't do it. mustache and all yeah mustache and all there's even some uh, um footage of his some of his uh test footage uh on some of the special features of some of the indiana jones releases and it's i mean it's a different thing it's an interesting thing to see but uh, and you definitely see that ford was the right way to go so any other thoughts guys on your first viewing of an indiana jones movie
3: uh no no i think we've pretty much covered everything it's it's a great film and uh i don't i I don't want to say i was surprised about it but in some ways i was because anytime you're going into something that that's that culturally rich that everyone
1: talks about i i'm terrified i wouldn't like it yes yeah i totally see that Yeah. yeah totally get that that's how i felt about the godfather movies when i saw them really yeah godfather Nope. No. (laughs) I can't suggest those to you. I don't think you guys would like them very much.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I haven't seen those. Do you think I would like them? No. Really? No. Huh. Hmm.
1: I don't know. No, okay. Well, uh, we're going to listen. It's a long episode, and we talked about so much more than I meant to talk about. Toy Story, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down thumbs. on Toy Story, thumbs guys.
2: Way thumbs, thumbs way up. Both thumbs way
1: up. Joss l- Whedon wh- is we- a god, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> you get off my podcast <laughs> right now. Where's Mark Herlemann? Where's, where's I mean, Mark Herlemann, like, that stupid droid? Quick
0: quick, <laughs> question, Steve. And, and I mean, I know it, it's never going to happen, but just no. say it does. With the Toy Story angle, Joss Whedon. Screen, uh, writing a screenplay for a Star Wars movie even like one of the independent ones
1: Um, I don't know because he'd end up killing whoever he was writing <laughs> so why would we want him to do that yes thank you Blaine for putting me back on track with Whedon um, <laughs> Riley and Bethany people can find you guys at StarWarsReport.com that's correct yes, indeed. not to be confused with that other podcast I mentioned earlier <laughs> on I don't want to give Jesse any more shout outs than he needs um, but yeah, StarWarsReport.com you guys Mark Hurleman. Weekly, basically. Yes, or, we are. Are tracking the news and all the happenings and your thoughts on whatever Star Wars stuff you want to talk about. You guys doing it live still? Uh, on occasion, yeah. On I, occasion, yeah. When we At can. the Middle
3: Earth Network? Uh, no, we usually right right now. We're usually just to throw it up on stream. Okay, yeah. that's kind of the all way right. we do it now. All right. But uh, and and I do want to say before before we head out before we go before we go um, one word no. Uh, <laughs>
1: Riley, you're episode my inspiration. Episode
3: 56 of the Star Wars Report podcast. Yes. Now, usually, I wouldn't want to plug something too specific, but right. here, here I'm going to do it. Okay. Episode it's titled Seven, Eight, Nine, and Geek Out Loud listeners, if you only listen to one episode of of, of our well show, listen to that episode. It was where Steve mercilessly. Teased and mocked everyone in line for the closing ceremonies how episodes 7, 8, and 9 were going to happen.
1: But now I had mercil- mercilessly done that to you guys the night before in the hotel room as oh, yeah. well. Pretty much the whole weekend. <coughs> no. Let's be honest. But it's it's captured in
3: audio form for all to hear. That I called seven eight 9. 56. Yeah. So jump back in our archives. I think I think actually I think your listeners. What scares? Get a kick out of that here's one.
1: the thing. What scares? It, 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 if it was going to happen, then at some point everyone who was saying it had to be right. What scares me most is is that I really think they wanted to have everything finalized. Oh yeah. So for they sure. could make that yeah. announcement. Mm-hmm. Guys, I'm telling you what. I I would still be laying in the floor down at the Orange County Convention Center right now if that had come because I would have just I would have passed out. I'd have been like, No,
2: I what in the world?
1: And then I would have been mad that Lucas didn't do it the way I said he should have done it. Seven, eight, nine.
2: Drop, Drop the, the bike mic and walk <laughs> away.
1: Where can people people find you at Star Wars uh dot com, Facebook dot com slash Star Wars Report. That's right. And, uh, I want to go You got any social media that you want to play? Yeah, if you, you want to follow
3: us uh, for the live shows or stuff like that, just follow us on Twitter at Star Wars Report. That's a very really good Report. way to do okay. it. Steve, thank you so much for not only having us on the podcast, but opening up your home to us. It's been a fantastic uh, weekend so far. And, man, uh, coming on Geek Out Loud, something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I told this to uh, Jimmy, who we, we, we are now kind of poor guy. Uh, keep keep uh, referencing and referencing, but uh, The Forest Cast is what got me into the idea of doing a podcast at all, and that was the first podcast I ever started listening to. The first one where I really thought that someone could display... A level of passion that I hadn't heard anywhere else, and that's not to offend anyone else, but a level of passion for a subject matter that went beyond just discussion about it. We're not we're not we're not just talking about Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, Star Wars, but we are talking about what's human about these films, mm-hmm. and we and that's where I really think uh, podcasting about this uh, this this cheesy geek stuff, this uh, geeking out loud. I think that that actually has the potential to, as you know, as a community, as a group of people. Uh, uplift each other uh, based on you know movies
2: wow got I, up, got man, nothing, huh? I got right nothing right. else to say to that so
1: thank you so much Steve really thank you it. thank you guys for being here and of course Bethany thank you for being well, here.
2: I'd like to thank you Steve for having us I've, I've well, really enjoyed the I wasn't the expecting trip a here. speech from you <laughs> and, uh, oh I gotta I gotta I gotta say something okay I'm, it's I'm it's like the Oscars. Only something. one person
1: get, really gets taught, then they cut you off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, Just so you'll
1: know that I've started the music. No, <laughs> <laughs> no go ahead. Tell me how great I am. That's fun.
2: <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to say that uh, you've had a, a positive influence on many people's lives, uh, mine and Riley's included. So I'd like to thank you for that. And uh, hopefully, in some measure, we have returned to that. And keep doing what you're doing. Well, I appreciate I like it. it.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I'm so glad we were able to sit down and do this. Blaine May. Steve I've made your dreams come true You have And And all you need to do Is just say thank you Steve
0: Thank you so much Steve
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right Well that's going to wrap it. Somewhere Derek is crying Uh, But that's okay Uh, One more thing I want to say before we go Good friend of the show uh, Michael Cohen uh, who is at com and Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast uh, at Clone Wars com is looking for work. So if you've got some type of graphic design that you need accomplished, head over to awscreative.com, awscreative.com. Get in touch with Michael, and uh, he does fantastic work. He's responsible for the design of the geek Out Loud site geekoutpodcast.com he's he's responsible for the big honkin Show uh, website and me on a cereal box so he does great work go go help him out if you've got some type of design uh, ne- graphic design needs, please 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 get in touch with him. He'll do good work for you and uh, and it'll be worth what you pay him so AWS creative. Dot com. That's going to wrap it up for us here on Geek Out Loud. And uh, what a show it's been. We have covered quite the gamut of of, uh, of topics and subjects. Uh, Derek, we love you. We miss you. We'll talk to you soon. Everyone else, hope you have a great whatever. And we'll see you whenever on Geek Out Loud. See you next time, everybody.